My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a writer. My name is Brie Castellini, and I will write for television one day. And this is Burn Notice. For the last time! <laughs> for the very last time. This is the last time that we will sit here and record a podcast ever. We'll never do it again. Never. Not mm-hmm. once. If we do in the future, one of us is a hologram, and it's up to you to figure out which one. <laughs> And yeah, and I look forward to that. I do too. Especially for a spoiler reason that once you figure out which one of us is the hologram, you'll understand. So you you made the pitch literally 45 seconds ago. That perhaps since this is the final episode of this podcast and the first episode where we are functioning not as critics, but as creators ourselves. Yeah, this is the concept of this episode is that we at the end of our run, like watching all of Burn Notice, We'll now attempt to break an episode of Burn Notice. Yes, taking the formula that we know and love and the elements that went really great for Burn Notice and, and the elements... throwing them in the trash. <laughs> throwing them in the trash and doing a whole different show. But you, you made the pitch specifically that maybe we should establish our credibility in this space. Yeah, and just also like establish like who we are as writers mm-hmm. and like what like what we think about and what sort of training we have. Just okay. so like because like to explain the extent to which we are not just like shooting the shit and like coming up like spitballing ideas Mm -hmm. like as a weird what if like we have written a lot of stuff we have written television scripts like Mm -hmm. like we're like we have never been paid to write television scripts we have never been paid to write television scripts. arguably we have paid to write television scripts because we both went to the same wildly overpriced graduate program exactly and then i also you also went what was so we both went to the same graduate program which was based around tv writing and producing yeah we it was it was our mfa in writing and producing for television from long island university brooklyn which at no point taught us to write television no it it, Uh, they assumed that we already knew how to write scripts there was no script formatting (laughs) conversations this was a problem for me who had never written a script before writing the script that got me into graduate school but i'm actually pretty sure that the script didn't do any favors to me it was in fact the short story that i also submitted as a writing sample that they actually enjoyed yeah so what did you do for undergrad for undergrad i was a creative writing major and an editing and publishing and integrated media double minor oh interesting i was a prose writer who knew how to use photoshop essentially (laughs) and my senior thesis novel was uh, i did write a complete novel although the actual functional thesis part of it was the first three chapters i believe i wrote an epistolary ya coming of age novel loosely and then not so loosely based on my own final semester of high school but the the thing that made that novel unique enough to be a thesis project for me was the epistolary nature and specifically that i wrote the novel exclusively in blog posts that were both public and private for the main character, uh, text messages, Facebook updates, and, you know, a variety, like, it was all technological-based mm-hmm. communication. It was all first-person documents. So, like, people talking to each other directly, not people talking about each other directly, except for in the case of blogs. So it was a, it's a technological epistolary YA novel. That's really cool. Where did you go to school? I went to Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon. It is my favorite place in the world. So I have a a Bachelor of Arts in Creative Writing from Pacific and an MFA in Writing and Producing for Television from LIU Brooklyn. All right. And what about, well, I'm sure we'll we'll get more about the TV writing stuff later about like the things we like about writing TV and that kind of stuff, but let's, let's go to you. What's your undergrad? So I went to University of Texas at Austin for a film production major, which eventually grew into an emphasis on writing and editing. Um, I took every like screenwriting class I could. I took every editing class I could, which required I wrote a lot of 
which with an emphasis on television. I wrote uh, multiple television pilots for that, for school. I wrote like the first act of a screenplay. Didn't have to write the whole screenplay. It wasn't good enough to warrant writing the whole the whole screenplay. Yeah, that never stopped me. <laughs> Most of uh, the things that I completed as a younger writer did not warrant being completed, but I'm nothing if not a completionist. I will say, like, no, it was not good. I will not go into it, but I will say there was more Alfredo Barrios Jr. in it than you might expect. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. It's funny that we both were writing and editing, like, specific but you were film editing and i was like prose editing right. and like publishing editing emphasis which i think both makes us structure people i was just gonna yeah. make that comment as soon as the car that backed up while i was trying to talk uh was gonna be done and then i got to say it first okay, um wow. but no that does kind of make us like structure people mm-hmm. um and like yeah i did that and then we went to grad school together yep um wherein we had to write group write along with many other people a television script at one point we were specifically working much more closely together were we i think like for a while were we not both showrunners one i mean all of us became showrunners. no but i mean like were at we... the same time oh, I, think... I don't honestly i blacked out most of our graduate program especially the group project just to briefly give an overview of the group project which feels fine to do because they've since stopped doing it like this but when we were at this program we were only the fifth cohort to go through it so we were still very much in the experimental phase of what this program was eventually going to be but at the time there was no showrunner in charge but the idea of the program was that we were to become a writer's room together and like actually develop a show as a cohort that we would then show shoot a sizzle reel version of. Um, that's how we know Jonathan Frakes, because he shot the sizzle reel version of our collaboratively written pilot. And uh, it was a disaster because, was- surprisingly, a writer's room should not be run by committee. Right. There exactly. should be a leader. <laughs> but there wasn't. But there also was. It was very confusing. No one was in charge. It was an absolute mess. It took us so long to get any words on paper because the problem with not having a leader is that everyone has the same basic like control over the pilot and if one person is like hey i think we should totally rethink something you can't just say no you have to genuinely engage with it which made it so that everyone was constantly derailing the process at one point or another and we could never actually complete anything no there was there was a while though where like functionally people would take turns being showrunner. Yeah, that, that, that was what we eventually decided to do, I think, because we told the person in charge of the program, like, this is untenable. <laughs> Someone needs to be in charge. And he was like, all right, take turns. And yeah, which was terrible. But the thing was that we were writing eventually two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a two-part pilot. It was a two-part pilot, which you should never do because people don't buy those. No. But like, it was a two-part pilot wherein like one person would be in charge of each script mm-hmm. and would like... And then, like, the class would be divided. And there was one, like, week or two-week period where you and I were both in charge of the scripts. I don't remember this at all, but I trust you. Which I remember... No, but I remember being... Because I think we worked really well there. And, like, I would have, I believe that. (laughs) I, like... I think we probably created the best version of that show. Probably. I single-handedly invented a major character by accident. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah, I 100% remember that. There There was a week during this process where we were sent to individually write scenes, not necessarily for the pilot we were writing, but in the world of the pilot for some exercise and then bring them to the table as just like... It was to kind of find the voice of the show, kind of. Or just like to figure out like, yeah, like to get us used to writing in this world and kind of figure out like... It was a noir. It was Uh, a noir. Like, and to figure out like 
to practice writing noir, to practice kind of writing the main character. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember the exact thing, but something like that. But anyways, exactly. in my in my script, I invented a sister for our, our main detective. And the whole point was that, like, the things that we wrote in these scripts would not be in the show. Yeah, they were not meant to be canonical. Like, we, we were given free reign. Like, the only thing that needed to be consistent was, like, the main character and the, like, setting. Exactly. And that was it. And, like, to be fair, like, it was almost pointedly not like it was pointedly <laughs> things that we wrote in these scripts were not going to be in the episode no they weren't it was just an exercise in something but anyways i invented a sister character and our like the director of the program liked her so much that he assumed she was a main like character in the actual pilot like a canonical member and like seemed to be confused when we were like no this is just you know the assignment you gave us, right? That's not what this is. But he was so obsessed with her that she ended up being not only a major player in the pilot, but eventually we cast her for the sizzle reel. Yeah, she was in the show. And it was just and because like, I added her to my scene because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> so that's, Because that's, she was a Brie Castellini character. She and, was. And no one else can write Brie Castellini characters. Yeah, that's and They're so, called Brie Castellini characters. Exactly. And so it was a thing of like, suddenly everyone else had been saddled with a character that frankly only you could write. Yeah. Uh, and I would say you and Andrew could probably have written I know, it Yeah, too. of course. Well, there's a reason that we all made things together, which mm-hmm. I think was another thing I think we should establish. Yeah. As we said before, after grad school, we went on to make a lot of art together. We all mm-hmm. made we all made web series. Um, I made Relativity. You made Brains. And then eventually you and I made Sam and Pat are Depressed. Yeah, so, all... we, so in, in addition to our, our short-term showrunning stint at, uh, at grad school, we also ended up essentially co-creating Sam and Pat are Depressed yeah. together. I created it for you and then... We, yeah, we, we we raised it together. We did, um, <laughs> and we we co-wrote uh, season two to an extent with me functioning primarily as showrunner, and then yeah. we broke season three together. Exactly, and made a lot of like creative decisions collaboratively. I would say, and like when you say broke, what do you mean? Well, for we, the audience. Well, for for the purposes of the web series, because the web series individual episodes were never going to be longer than like eight pages, we basically decided what the season would look like. We decided the sort of arc of the season, because Sam and Pat are depressed, is kind of like a surrealist sketch comedy about mental health. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just two roommates who are depressed making observational comedy to each other about therapy and mental health um, with sort of surrealist elements that would make the shooting more interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was a a show designed to be really cheap. And so as a result, like... We weren't doing anything particularly ambitious on like a script level. So we decided to make the world of the show a little bit surrealist to allow us to experiment even within the parameters of this is cheap and fast. Exactly. Um, Because we're like a little bit crazy. I talked last week. (laughs) No, I talked last week when we were talking about like, uh, like people who make art that we like, where it's Mm -hmm. like, I like like people who are just like a little bit insane about certain things. Yeah, and we are and like, definitely that. Yeah, like you kind of have to be. But anyways, um, for the purposes of, of breaking, the def- definition of breaking, um, we decided what the season arc was going to be. Like I said, we decided what like this, what we were building to and like the emotional journey of both characters. Yeah. And then we decided the individual episode concepts. Because like Sam and Pat is very much a show about like the title of each episode tells you what the episode is going to be about to a pretty significant extent and so it's like you know can you mansplain to a therapist my therapist thinks i'm depressed like those are like that's the way that we break sam and pat and so we we broke a season of sam and pat where we wrote the episode titles for every episode and kind of like 
conceptualized what each of those would look like. We almost, I think, completed our visual gags of the season because like, uh-huh. there's a visual gag that the character who's not the primary joke teller of the episode, that that's a thing in each episode. So we figured out most of those, I would say. But yeah, we, we, we broke down what the season would look like on an episode to episode basis. So like a, breaking it down, mm-hmm. like which is the thing we're going to be doing today. I'm saying because like our audience might not be familiar with like storytelling yeah, terms. I figured. <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to be writing the script. We might. I might just because I'm an asshole and you might because you're an asshole. But the purposes of this like episode of our podcast is we will be coming up with the basic structure of the episode. We like, will the story beats, the yeah. things that like happen. Mm-hmm. Like if we'll, even... we'll figure out what the A plot is, what the B plot is, what the Exactly. Plot is. Like the the structure of the thing, the outline of the thing. Yeah, we're essentially like, writing an outline together out loud. Exactly. There, there's a there's a podcast called Story Break that I think does this just on a week to week basis, where either the audience recommends or somebody from the podcast comes in with like a concept and then they break it together in like the course of two hours. Yeah. So if you're looking for more stuff like this, that exists. That, yeah, and this is how the sausage is made. Exactly. Let's make some sausage. Let's make some sausage. So I think we've probably hinted at this before, but the concept that we agreed on for the episode ahead of time, just to make this easier on ourselves, is essentially the episode that we frankly assumed would happen eventually within the confines of Burn Notice. To be fair, I know, I mean, assumed in the sense that it's sort of inevitable that it would happen, Mm -hmm. not in the sense that we ever thought they would make this episode. I kind of, for a little while, before I knew what season seven was going to be, I kind of thought that, like, there was a potential for this. But in in any case, Chuck Finley is obviously a alias, a well-loved alias by our, our good friend Sam Axe. And the frequency with which he uses the Chuck Finley alias is frankly untenable and is hinted at being untenable many times throughout the canon of Burn Notice. And so we thought it would be funny to write an episode where everything comes crashing down. We have colloquially decided to call it the fall of Chuck Finley, where essentially the the mythos of Chuck Finley over the seven seasons of Burn Notice that there were come crashing down on them and they have to untangle sort of the like, the mythos of Chuck Finley. Because a bunch of people assume that Chuck Finley is a person. Mm-hmm. And then like, but even though like he's had wildly different jobs every mm-hmm. time that he's been Chuck Finley, he's kind of Barbie that way. Exactly. And so um, like we were like, well, there. it's not just that he uses Chuck Finley a lot. It's that he uses it a lot within Miami. Yeah. And there's no way that there aren't, like if there's whisperings about Michael Weston, as a person to the extent that like people show up at his house to like hire him for cases, there is no way that Chuck Finley and like the sort of this, the fear of Chuck, that Chuck Finley as a name strikes in the heart of villains wouldn't get out there. Exactly. So there's like, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to break an episode of television about this, an episode of Burn Notice based on scripts that I've looked at and like television in general, starts with a cold open or a teaser, mm-hmm. um, then an, uh, four acts, and then a button. The four act, and like this structure is the structure that's very common to hour long dramas. Hour long dramas, especially hour long dramas. Hour long dramas pre when we started seeing more advertising. Yeah. In the 2000s and like early 2010s, before streaming really kind of changed things again, mm-hmm. we started seeing television shows having more commercial breaks in them. Sitcoms used to have a commercial break in the middle, and that was basically it. You would have commercial breaks every 15 minutes. Now you have commercial breaks like every like 11, 12 minutes or mm-hmm. things like that. And you have like 
more like axe than he used to have but this is a very standard structure it's very much indebted to three act structure even though there are four things in here that we're calling acts mm -hmm. um essentially the cold open and act one are like in a three act structure sense act one sure acts uh two and three are all kind of act two with like the midpoint mm -hmm. being split into two separate splitting it to, to two separate acts essentially and then like um act four and the button of functioning like the third act of a film yeah and yeah and so we're gonna do one and my first question to you and i think it is the in order to break this episode i think it is the first question that we have to answer mm -hmm. is at the end of this episode is he still using chuck finley or is chuck finley done I think that we actually need to answer a different question first, which was going to be my question. My okay. question is, where canonically in the burn notice, like, timeline does this episode land? Oh, no, of course. Because that, that does affect things. Well, I, these things are sort of related. Um, yeah, they, I guess they are, because technically he does use Chuck Finley once in season seven. But also that we can, I, I think we can maybe do it sometime in season six because the reason i say that is that the season seven chuck finley is a bounty hunter looking for michael while they're in cuba and so the only person he's interfacing with is this like russian spy who has no reason to know who chuck finley is i think so so like theoretically if we if we let him keep the alias it works there um and then i will say for season six the four times chuck finley is mentioned the first time is he's a detective. He's Detective Finley <laughs> in the fifth episode of season six. Then he's a thief in season seven. I think he doesn't even have Finley. He's just Chuck, a thief. Like a lot of times, I didn't write all of these down, but a lot of times that Chuck Finley is mentioned, he's just Chuck. Like he he has to introduce himself for a very quick cover ID. And it's just like, oh, hey, I'm Chuck and I work at the hotel kind of things, uh, which is what season six, episode 13 is. Chuck is just a hotel worker. He's right. not necessarily introduced as Chuck Finley, but he is a guy named Chuck who works at the hotel. And that's just his his go to. So like the two primary Chuck Finley discovery or uh, aliases of season six were he's a detective in episode five and he is an associate to Michael's billionaire oil tycoon alias in episode nine. And those are two that might be notable, but he's just a thief in season in episode seven and a hotel worker in episode 13. Well, I think that depends on the extent to which we want to situate this at a specific point in time and burn notice or not. Like, I think it'd be perfectly fine to just break this as an ep like as a story and not worry so much about that. Like I think we do though. Like we're essentially writing a spec script. So we, we are have writing to, a spec script. We have to acknowledge where they are in canon. And also if it's taking place prior to season seven, then the answer to your question has to be he will continue to use well, Chuck Finley as an alien. Not necessarily. I think well then we if we did it season seven, then, then I don't like, really want to do it season seven. Season seven, there's not really space. Okay, I think. Well, you mentioned writing a spec. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you write a spec, the original idea of writing a spec script is that it can slot anywhere. But that doesn't. That's not a thing anymore. That's why most places don't accept specs anymore because they know what an impossible situation. It I know, is but we're to also trying to insert an episode somewhere in these really tightly like wound thirteen episode seasons. And I know, but I also, like, we're not actually trying to sell this as a spec script. This is not actually going to be a calling card of ours, so it kind of doesn't matter. Okay, so then what? what is your instinct? I don't know what my instinct is yet. This is why I wanted to ask you. Like, I think it's funnier if he continues using it in spite of the problems that it's caused. Well, that's the thing, is that, like, then the episode has to be about 
solving the problems so he can keep using Chuck Finley. Like, because if we go the other way, and that's the end of Chuck Finley, Mm -hmm. like, the thing is, we could situate this in season six or even season five Mm -hmm. and just pretend like he never uses Chuck Finley again. Like, the show would not change that much if he stopped using Chuck Finley after season five. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you're breaking the show or it's like, like, not gonna... Like, yeah, he says Chuck Finley later, but, you know, like, it doesn't matter. This is all hypothetical. Yeah. Um, but I get it. I, I appreciate that as a concept because I think that's how we originally thought of it when we came up with this as a joke idea uh-huh. years ago. Like, I think we've been talking about the idea of the fall of Chuck Finley for a while. And I do think that, like, as the show even says itself often, like, you've got to stop using this alias. It's too obvious. It's too attached to you. And I think we always imagined it as, like, this is the, you know, Chuck Finley's, like, big day out, like, his his final, his final moment. But, like, the other part of me that really cares about, like, this show and canon feels bad <laughs> making that hypothetical decision. Like, it, it feels like we're basically already not following the rules of Burn Notice if we set this pre-season seven, but try and make it so that he can't do Chuck Finley anymore. And that makes sense. I understand that. I also think... The other thing about, like, trying to situate this too much in a specific moment in the show, uh, like, we could or we couldn't, but then it becomes a question of, like, how much of the actual season are we bringing into it? Like, or it's like, if we did season, if we did, like, season seven, would, like, I, I think we would have, have to show up? Yeah, like, I think she like, would have to. So that's why like, I would say, like, early season six or late season five would be my recommendation. That makes more sense. Like, we, we all agree that Jesse has to be in it, so it can't mm-hmm. be too early. I think maybe it should be before Nate dies. Okay. Because what, you want, do you just want because, Nate? Or just no, because, no. like... I, fuck Nate. Absolutely. Nate, Nate Weston has no place in my script. But I think that just... Because as soon as Nate dies, like, that's that's when basically everything locks into place for the rest of the show. That's very true. There's really no episode beyond that that exists outside of that. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think I do, like, broadly agree with that. I think, yeah, at, at a certain point... It becomes a much more serialized show. Yeah. And there's, like, a hard time, like... Like, I think this has to take place sometime where Anson is still alive and is kind of a boogeyman, but is kind of, like, chilling for now. Like, they're basically yeah. waiting for Anson's next shit. So Anson's still alive. Got yeah, Well, because Anson makes, dies with Nate. Nate. Anson dies with Nate. That makes a lot of sense. But I don't want to go pre-Anson because then that brings us too far back. But I also do think, like, on the other hand, like, the thing that we're trying to do does feel a little bit more of a piece with those early season seven episodes in what way just like where they were willing to do a little more structural stuff i Um, mean i I feel like there there are a handful of episodes in season six and season five that are more like that that's true and and also like even in season six there are big time gaps between like when things happen that makes that makes the most sense i'm with that so i i think that i still think we could theoretically if we wanted to kill off chuck Fenley. i'm not saying that we should i'm saying that we could i think maybe act four kills off chuck Fenley, and then the button sam resurrects him well no but this is the thing where it's like you could do that as the button but i almost want like it to be a decision that they all make a decision that they all make and like that to be the ultimate goal like in order like is not breaking the alias like it's got like it's got to be the fall and rebirth of chuck finley it's got to be like you know the death Mm -hmm. and resurrection of chuck finley i Uh, mean maybe we could set this in season seven and just make it like 
Because they're, they're, the season seven timeline is not 100% clear either. And there's definitely downtime in between, right. like, when James has shit for them to do and therefore that the CIA has shit for them to do. No, of course. I think it's... Like, they even do an episode where, like, they do, like, at least two or three episodes where they're kind of just waiting around for something to happen. Yeah, although the James. downside of that is that, like, Michael's undercover and... Yeah, but if, if if James and uh, Alana Tall, whatever her actual name is, are like fucked off Some for a guy. while, and because like there's a there's a there's a sequence where Burke is like, "I'll call you soon," and Michael has time to help them out with something else. Like, isn't there a couple of days in between? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forget me not. Episode two, Michael returns to Miami, but like I think. Burke might not be involved right now. Like some sometime in between, like season episode two and three. Well, of season... no, forgive me not. It's the one where like he can't. Like I said, like he people can't see him. Mm-hmm. I think he goes back to the Dominican Republic because the next episode they go to the Dominican Republic. So yeah. he's still. On. But I feel like there's there's an implied time jump between like episode three and four. He's in. We can't do it here. But what I'm saying is there's a there's a moment in time where there is an assumed time jump where Burke is like, I'll call you in a couple of days. And they have exactly enough time to do something in that. So I feel like we can we can create that. If we wanted to do it then. Yeah, maybe between like Nature of the Beast and Bitter Pill. But I'm also into the idea of doing it like prenate death with Anson sort of being around. Yeah, because we um, like Anson. Anson was yeah. one of our favorite villains. Exactly. He might be our favorite villain. Would you say that? Honestly, yeah. No, he's the best villain that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, think so. He was the most compelling. He There were the most stakes with him. Right. No, yeah. They did get good at villains toward the end. Okay, so then let's say, uh, let's look at early season six. I swear it'll be more episode breaking from here on out. No, of course. Oh, but no. Early of- season of six is hard. Oh, no, we can't do season six. It has to be season end of season five. Because season six starts with Fee in jail for most of it. And oh, absolutely right. the fuck not. Oh, no, yeah. So it sure. has to be pre-Fee goes to jail. It has to be in, like, an Anson downtime episode. Was Anson in season five? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, because Anson's the reason that Fee goes to jail. That's right. I remember now. Um, oh, this means also that Lawrence Demille could be in it. That's true. Yeah, we love Lawrence Demille. We do love Lawrence Demille. Um, okay. <laughs> you remember Madeline had a boyfriend that was working for Anson? Did she have a boyfriend that was working for Anson? Uh-huh. Yeah, she she was dating another guy who lived in a retirement community, and they followed him, and oh. then Anson blew him up. Oh, that's right. Remember I remember. That? God, it feels like so what long What a dumb ago. show. <laughs> God, I love this show. Oh, God. No, but I think, yeah, like, that makes about it. A certain amount of sense. Yeah, I think it could happen probably between like season uh, five, episode 15 and episode 16. Because like Necessary Evil is like they're trying to figure out um, what Madeline's boyfriend's deal is. And then episode 16 is them helping Anson like transfer money while like Anson, like while half the group is doing stuff for Anson, Anson helps out Michael to help an old friend of Sam's. So like there's an implied sort of downtime in between these episodes. Right, yeah. Of like, you know, they're 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 cooling off after their failure at turning Anson's double agent against him. Right. And the next phase of Anson's plan. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So then this is this is the final decision. If that's where we're placing this canonically, how do you feel about straying from future canon? Like, are we assuming that we're writing this while season five is happening and we don't know that Chuck Finley will come back? Or are we assuming with what we I know? I think that's I think it's better 
as like a writing experience if we're assuming we're writing it during season five like it's so we yeah. don't so we have no necessarily reason for them to expect chuck finley to come back exactly i think that's the only way you could break it otherwise like you've run into like the prequel problem mm-hmm. you know i think it, the only way it makes sense to me is to do it like that I think we probably, if we had more time and it was it mattered, we could figure out a way to like work it in. Yeah, but I think that's the. But I I agree that I think it's a more fun story if he has to retire it, if he he has to give a Viking funeral to Chuck Finley. But the thing is, I'm not even necessarily in favor of the idea that he has to retire it. Um, I just like don't want to feel beholden to too much, like having making sure that everything lines up with the future. Because, like, that's a... Well, it, it's less about lining up for the future, because I'm not really concerned with, like, what's happening in season five. We can we can make a random reference and it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, we can basically do a Brad Breaks, where it's like, Jason Bly's like, hey, I have B-plot b- stuff. And Michael's like, no, 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 Jason Bly, the A-plot takes precedence this week. Exactly. You yeah. know, I feel I figure we can do something like that. No, but. of course. Yeah, I think so. That, that was kind of the thing where I was like, when, in terms of that, that's the sort of thing that I don't want, don't want to worry too much. I don't want to worry too much about situating it in canon. Yeah, and I, I don't, just, and I don't care about that so much. But I, I do think that it matters if he gets to keep using. Chuck no, Finley I think it does not. too. I think what is a better story? I mean, I think not using it anymore. I think we can. There's, there's. It, it. I guess it depends on what tone we want to strike. Like, if we want to do kind of a silly comedy thing, then he should keep using it, and we should contrive a way for him to keep using it while also acknowledging, like, but we got to be more careful. Here are the new rules. Well, no, this is the thing. It's like, yeah, do you want Sam to have a win or not? Mm, I do because I want to write a more lighthearted episode. Where yeah. it's like, oh, look, the consequences of my own actions. And, like, the thing is, that, like, yeah, you can do But also it. he's Sam X and he refuses to not use... Like, there, there's the episode in season late season six where he's like... They're like, Sam, you can't use Chuck Finley as your fake ID name. Like, the people know you too much. And he's like, no, that's my condition. I get to be Chuck Finley. Like, and I, I want to reward that stubbornness. Oh, no, of course. I do, too. I think, yeah, so, like, the death and resurrection of Chuck Finley. Kind yes. Of, like, yeah, sort of, or... It's the thing where, like, it's almost like a farce where it's, like... Yeah, and I like farce as a... As a exactly. Overview. No, I think, like, a farce, like, that kind of almost, like, he has to be at, like, three dates at the same time kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, where it's, like, he it's not just that he has to be Chuck Finley. That's fun. That's yeah. a really fun idea because then we get, like, a fun scene where maybe, like, Fee and, and either Madeline or Fee and Lawrence Demille have to be, like, the women in the van as three versions of Chuck Finley played by Michael, Sam, and Jesse, like, have to have to carry on conversations with three separate previous and Chuck the, Finley people. And we have to track, like, which people have seen... Which, Bruce Campbell. Yes. Like, because some of them will have to have seen Bruce Campbell, and some of them will have to have not seen Bruce Campbell or but, not know what he looks like. But have heard of him. Like, I've heard of him, and like, or like, yeah, just like, heard from like a different person. I'm just saying, I think that would be a fun sequence. Oh, no, it would be a really fun sequence. Like, yeah, I think like, yeah. Because it's, because like, honestly, some of my favorite sequences in like comedies is where one person or a series of people are having roughly the same conversation over the course of a night, and it's like, quick cuts like it's basically speed dating yeah. in a, a television episode. oh that's always a good thing i love speed dating sequences because it's so fun to just in, like because you can just skip to jokes it's like we get this or like, interrogation sequence exactly yeah uh, and like yeah. And, and like the camera like moves back and like the person asks a question and then we cut back it's a different uh, suspect altogether yeah it's like that but each time it's a different chuck finley or like the, the one thing about interrogations where it's like where you have our cast 
and like you get to do a bunch of character jokes because like, exactly. they like all each answer the same question in different ways. Mm-hmm. And you know what's actually really fun about this is that like it will be really fun to get each boy's take on Chuck Finley. Yes, exactly. Um, and have or or it could be here's the other here's my other pitch is instead of Fee being a man in the van, Chuck like Sam actually isn't allowed out. Like this is what I was wondering. It was like I think at some point in the ep- like either he needs to not be able to do Chuck Finley in the first half and can in the second half, mm-hmm. or he has to, like, not be able to do it, like, one or the other. Either, like... I think he shouldn't be able to do it at a certain point, and he should be resigned to being the man in the van and, like, feeding them Chuck Finley stuff. As and, and here's the other thing. I think it's funny if Fee has to be a version of Chuck Finley. Oh, no. Fee should definitely be a Chuck Finley. <laughs> so, so instead of Fee being in the van, it's Sam in the van, and he's, like, weirdly, like, Hey, you two, I'm going to turn on the channel so that you can hear what Fee is doing. She's the only one that gets Chuck Finley. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's really good. Okay, so yeah, I think like, because I do think, because yeah, it, when it starts out, you do need like a substantial amount of Bruce Campbell being Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe that's like the cold open? No, that's what I'm saying. Is I think that's why I, I want to divide it in half. Like, I, that's why I was saying like, I think Ooh. half of it is... Bruce doing Chuck, and then half of it is other people doing Chuck. I don't know if we have enough time for that. Here's my pitch. What if we kind of flip Burn Notice on its head, where the cold open is them finishing up a case with him acting as Chuck Finley, and then at the end of the cold open, somebody comes up to them to tell them that, like, they need to meet with Chuck Finley or something. So it's like we see them finishing a case, and then it introduces the fact that the actual case of the week is going to be the fall of Chuck Finley. Where it's like we we watch Sam and Michael and everyone like wrap up a case. Right. And then we can basically do, isn't it called like chuffa of like just sort of like nonsense at the beginning of a, a, a scene? I never heard the term, but that makes sense. Uh-oh. I think that might be what it's called. But anyways, it's like basically that, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, though, yeah, right? yeah. Like the nonsense that starts a, a sketch. Yeah, exactly. We do that, but it's the end of a Burn Notice episode. And we basically write an episode that takes place immediately after one. And so, like, we have just established a new use of Chuck Finley. And that leads into, hey, I've heard of you before. Or, like, I've heard that name before. You should talk to X or something like that. And then the rest of the episode is them, like, kind of tracking down, like, "Uh uh-oh, has Chuck Finley been made? Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Or, or maybe even... Early on in the episode, they are doing a thing for Anson. Okay. And Anson realizes that, like, for the thing that he needs, someone's heard of Chuck Finley or something. And then it's like, oh, we need to figure out who knows about Chuck Finley. Um, And then so, like... So they're basically doing, like, background research and discovering that, uh (laughs) uh-oh, a lot of people know about Chuck Finley. Yeah, I, that could work. Although, like, I think it has to be somebody comes to and them. Something from has the past. to come. Someone comes to them for the past. I agree. So that that's why I, I um, wrote out all instances of Chuck Finlay over the course. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be one that we've seen in an episode. Before. I think that's more satisfying, though, right? Okay. Especially when there is so much canon of Chuck Finley. Like okay. one of our biggest problems with Burn Notice is that they didn't utilize their own deep canon. But it was also in like service of inventing a new bullshit person. That's true, but then sometimes they would bring someone back and it would be so random. Yeah, but it's Chuck Finley. And again, it doesn't have to be... I, I'm, I'm not saying that like somebody from one of these episodes necessarily comes oh, back, okay, I see but what you're we saying. should be referencing an actual on-camera oh, no, use definitely, of Chuck Finley. Oh, we definitely should. I agree with that, yes. So like the one of the two instances of Big Chuck coming out. Big Chuck was a burglar in Fearless Leader, and Big Chuck was also a trucker in uh, season four. Actually, he's a trucker twice. He's a 
a tow truck driver in season five, episode six, and he's just a trucker named Big Chuck in season four, episode nine. So maybe that's something like because it's it's a double use of the same name uh, or of like of the Chuck Finley alias, both related to trucking. You know, maybe something from his detective days. I think I was telling you off mic that he's been a detective of some kind four times. He's been a detective, both crooked and not crooked, twice for um, the Miami-Dade Sheriff's Department. He was a deputy once for the Sheriff's Department, and then he was also a private investigator at some point. Uh, And he was either just Detective Finley, Deputy Finley, or Chuck Finley during all of these instances. So that's also something that we could pull together, like somebody needs to talk to Detective Finley or like who used to be Detective Finley. Like, I, you know, I nobody heard of you I, at the station, so I assume you had to have quit or been fired or something. Yeah, I do think I remember, did we ever talk about the idea that like a bunch of bad guys have gotten together? I think so, yeah. Yeah, which and, is, that's and, a... And they were all like, oh, the reason that we all got taken down was Chuck Finley. We have to take down Chuck Finley. Right. Yeah, exactly. it's like a lot of people are hunting Chuck Finley. Right. I also kind of like the idea of, I like the idea that there's a lot of people who have heard of Chuck Finley that have not heard of Michael Weston. Mm -hmm. And it's like a sort of weird anti-universe where like Chuck Finley is the famous person that everyone's afraid of. Mm -hmm. And like no one's heard of Michael Weston. What if somebody comes to Michael and is like, hey, I need your help. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm Michael Weston. That's what I do. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. I just know that you know Chuck Finley. I need Chuck Finley. (laughs) That could work. Or somebody goes to Madeline and is like, hey, I heard you know Chuck Finley. Can you, or like somebody goes to Madeline and they're like, hey, I need your help. And she's like, oh, I'll connect you with my son. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm sure your son is very nice or whatever. But yeah. I heard that you have another friend whose name is Chuck Finley. That's who I need. I like that. That's really good. Cold Open with Madeline is also fun. Cold Open with Madeline is also fun. Yeah, I like that. Okay, okay, um, okay. I'm going to write this down. Okay, yeah, that's. So we've decided that at some point in the cold open, Madeline will be approached for help. She thinks they want Michael. They actually want Chuck. So this person has heard of Chuck Finley. Yes. But also our bad guys need to have heard of Chuck Finley. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think that maybe Chuck Finley should have like invoked the name and maybe or something like that. Um, Like who is who invoked the name? So maybe the bad guy, like the reason that exactly. the person wants Chuck Finley's help. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like something like that. Where and it's so like, they I like need... asked around and heard that Chuck Finley knew Madeline or something. Like yeah. that's that's fairly reasonable. Madeline's been involved in enough stuff that it's ti- it's it's fair that maybe they have associated her. Because like she and, yeah. she and Sam have, have run game together before. No, exactly. And that's like really great because you can have really, you can have a lot of fun with the cold open. Like, like you're saying with like playing the game of like, which Make, Chuck Finley? No, no, no. Oh, of, yeah. We think it's Michael for most of the cold open. Yeah, like, and then at the like, end, it's like, no, I, no, I need the man who's like blah blah blah. I need Chuck Finley. Exactly. It's Burn like, notice. Burn notice. Exactly. <laughs> Something uh, else that it, that just occurred to me is that like it might be fun for a lot of the beats of Act One for like the the client to not know a lot about who is after them, and so they have to try and piece it together of like when have you used Chuck Finley. Who would know Chuck Finley more than Michael Weston? Exactly. And, and so that's yeah. like just like a fun nostalgia trip of them being like, do you think it's Detective Finley? That no, that's I? really, really good. So so sometime um, in Act One. So it's someone connected to Madeline who knows. Or either connected to Madeline or who finds Madeline as a result of. I think that that could be either or. Um, But like, why does this person, like, but why does the client, why does the person who's getting to the client think that they know Chuck Finley? It's, I don't think that, uh, think that the client knows Chuck Finley or think that Madeline knows Chuck Finley? Because I think we can go two ways. I think that it can either be that the name Chuck Finley is invoked in relation to... Again, because like the whole point is that like the bad guys, like you're saying, they're trying to figure out which bad guy it is. That means that the bad guy has to have invoked Chuck Finley. 
Yeah. So then who is the person that they're invoking Chuck Finley to? Why would they do that? Like, why would... like? I, if, I, okay, so something about the con- continuity that we've chosen is that, like, Chuck Finley hasn't been mentioned very recently. Like, the last time he was mentioned is Breaking Point, where I think he's an environmental lawyer? Yeah, he's an environmental attorney. So the most recent alias in our continuity that we've chosen is that Charles fin- it, Charles Finley is an environmental attorney. Okay, no, I just... That was the episode before. No, no, I've got it. Yeah, what? I got it. No, I figured it out. This is the thing. Okay. This person... Mm-hmm. The client? The client. Okay. Has gotten to Madeline because he knows that Madeline is associated with Chuck Finley because someone is trying to kill him because he is also named Chuck Finley. <laughs> That's interesting. I think it kind of has to be. So somebody is, it's a mistaken identity thing? It's a mistaken identity thing where like, there's an actual person named Chuck Finley that like, now people are coming after him. And so they have to, we may have even talked about this before, but like, yeah, they have to protect this guy, which is the thing is that like, this also means that you can have the client also has to pretend to be Chuck Finley at one point. In fact, if anything, that might be that's the climax. I think the climax is like Sam on the radio mm-hmm. teaching the client how to be Chuck Finley. I think that we at one point had a joke about like him having to coach Michael to be Chuck Finley and right. him getting upset about it. Uh, and I like that better because I have more of an emotional connection to Michael and his aliases. So I don't like I don't I don't want to make the client so much of like the client. I like this idea a lot. I don't think the client should be integral. I think we should kick the client out and have other people. Like, I, they should hack the whatever website that they found this Chuck Finley man on and, like, replace his picture with Jesse or replace his picture with Michael. But the thing is, because, like, the reason that I like that, having the client be in the climax, mm-hmm. is because that allows it to be more of a Sam episode. Because, like, if it's Sam, like, having Michael coaching michael to be chuck finley and it works that's a michael victory but if it if like the client does it that's more of a sam victory that's interesting yeah like like, but like think of how many times we hate watching the client be integral to like the climax and also i worry that we're not going to get our great use of all of our characters if we have this additional rando no, I don't think we have to keep him that much. Like, I think maybe like, it's like they spend most of the episode trying to narrow down who it is who's hunting for him. Yeah, and so we get to let our other people play Chuck Finley. Oh to, no, like, they definitely play will. the field, and I, then at the end they're like, "There's no way around it. We have to use like we figured out who the bad guy is. Now we'll put the like real Chuck Finley, quote unquote, in position as bait because now we've narrowed it down. Sam will coach him, and then we'll take him down. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Okay, like, that okay, kind okay. of thing. No, like, he's not going to be Chuck Finley for most of the episode. I'm saying he's only Chuck Finley in the climax. Okay. Yeah. I buy that. Because I also, it's so funny. We got so annoyed with the clients, but I kind of miss them now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, yeah we, we never really got, like, a, a, tri- a true, like, client in all of season seven and most of the end of season six exactly so like Patton oswald was kind of our last client he kind of was and so like it is kind of integral to burn notice that there is a client and like i like the idea of like having to play like to play around with that and like that restriction mm-hmm. you know i think like oh yeah de- i definitely like client of the week that's smart that's very good we are still able to do our goofy bullshit, but like... Oh, no, of course. But it works. I really like that. Okay. Yeah. And that's what's great, because then the, like, then, like, the the button, or, like, on the cold open mm-hmm. is, like, not just, like, they think... No, you understand. They think he's me. 
and then he says, my name is Chuck Finley. Like, that's better than saying, I'm looking for Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. He says, my name is Chuck Finley. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, so what I've done is our cold open is the the note we have so far is our cold open has a client named Chuck Finley uh, who is being hunted, goes to Madeline for help. Act one starts with a client meeting where, um, as he explains the problem, the gang at Carlitos, of course, it's got to be at Carlitos, has a longer conversation trying to figure out which version of Chuck Finley they believe this man to be. And so, like, we get our first clue, whatever that is, um, get first clue to villain identity from real Chuck. But I like that, like, our client meeting is sort of, it gets to be a little bit slapstick. Yeah. It's like they're interviewing this guy, but then they they go back and forth with jokes about, like, which Chuck Finley do you think it is kind of stuff. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. And the thing is, do you think that Sam knows all of them? Do you think he has, like, a... I, I think he does. Or, exactly. may, or maybe, or... It's, there's two ways this can be exactly. funny. Either he knows all of them, they're like his brothers, or he fully does not remember. Like, as soon as one Chuck Finley alias is over, like, he dies. <laughs> and it's like a, he, every time he becomes Chuck Finley again, it's the first time. And and his friends are the ones, or like, I would say probably Michael specifically is like, I have a catalog, otherwise it would be impossible. <laughs> well, uh, that's actually, that's really good too. The thing is, I really want some, I really want, I have this image in my head of Bruce Campbell standing in front of like a whiteboard mm-hmm. with just a bunch of stuff on it. You know what I, mean? I think that would need to be scene two from act one. Oh, no, of course. I'm not saying it's this scene. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, yeah. Okay. Because like that, I think is happening in the loft. Yeah. And actually what's great about if we're using Anson mm-hmm. and like we can use Anson the way that the show does a lot in episodes like this, where he can be like a, a heightener. Where, like, at a certain point when we want to raise the stakes, you can involve Anson now. Like, suddenly it's involving Anson, and so it becomes more of a problem. Okay. Yeah. So, like, Anson needs something that they have to accommodate while trying to track down Chuck Finley? Exactly. Or, like, it involves, like, a thing that it becomes a problem for Anson. Like, something like that. I don't know. That's just the thing I was thinking. Um, okay. Because I've been wondering how much we're going to integrate season arc stuff. And I think that's a good way to do it with while making it feel like part of the story mm-hmm. without, like... Doing a story about Anson. Exactly. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. So I think that to give this structure, we need to basically pick either three or four most likely types of people, like, basically versions of Chuck Finley that, that, they, that it could be, and they and they each assign... Uh, and, and like, it, it can even be a thing where, like, in their client meeting, the act, real Chuck Finley is, like, they don't, they only called, like, they my, my photo is not anywhere. I'm, like, I'm not online. So I know they don't know what I look like. They just know my name and they're after me. Exactly. So it instantly establishes that, like, whoever is hunting Chuck Finley doesn't know what he looks like. Well, yeah, because I think, like, yeah, the person that's hunting them, yeah, like, no, I think, like, yeah, they don't know what they look like. No, but they, they shouldn't know what Chuck Finley looks like, because otherwise exactly. it wouldn't work to no, exactly. have our <laughs> menagerie of clowns. Right, exactly. So, like, But that's the thing. But, like, right. Because you, you have to establish that they don't think that the Chuck Finley, they don't know that the Chuck Finley looks like the client, mm-hmm. but they also don't know that Chuck Finley looks like Bruce Campbell. Exactly. So, like, that is, that establishes one of them. How do you establish the other one? What do you mean one of them? Because, like, the they can say, like, the client can say, there's no pictures of me online. They don't know what I look like. But they might think that he looks like Bruce Campbell. 
I don't know, because otherwise we don't get our fun, like, interrogation speed dating scene. No, like, I think we can. No, I'm just saying that, like, we also would have to establish that, like, the clients also don't know what, like, like they don't know what Chuck Finley looks like at all, just that they don't know that it looks like him. Like, they, they don't know what Chuck Finley looks like, as opposed to they think that this guy is Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it. I think it has to be a thing where like, which that's a thing. The hitman di- that's coming after him just knows the name Chuck. Okay, Finley. that's a, that's a line of dialogue, but it's just like yeah, yeah. But I, I, um, I'm just saying it's an important thing to establish early yes, on. I agree. So that we can put our various versions. Oh, totally. Yeah, I like the idea. I like the idea of them going through the very same list that you have right now mm-hmm. of all the Chuck Finleys. Yeah, and then like yeah, like and so yeah, then our guys need to pick four of like because I I think like what the clusters like you said there's multiple truckers. Yeah, like looking for clusters. Maybe that's what the board is. Okay. Like, because all the different Chuck Finley's are on the board. And I think Michael... Here's the thing. I think Michael has the list. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. But I think Sam looks at it all and immediately develops a theory of it. Well, it's like, well, yeah, this is this is truck Chuck. And this is like, you know... <laughs> yeah, this is Big Chuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> big Chuck, the trucker. The trucker thief. Because, yeah, I think, I think something that might work for this is that basically... So they know someone is trying to kill Chuck Finley for foiling a plan. Right. But they don't know any of the details beyond I'm being hunted. Chuck Finley is being hunted. That's all they know. Yes. So they break it down into like, these are the four most likely kinds of criminals after you based yeah. on the, you know, the, exactly. the clusters of things. And so each of our gang has to play a different version of Chuck. So like Michael is trucker Chuck and he has to investigate like, you know, the most likely yeah. purveyors of truck crimes. And, like, and or, Sam know. has to audition all of them. <laughs> yeah, and I think there has to be some reason why Sam is not allowed to play it. I think maybe it's like to not show your ha- our hand because like we don't necessarily know if they know what Chuck Finley looks like. So like, Sam, you can't be out in the field for this one. Like that's too much possible exposure. You think... I don't know, because I think, like, I do want, there has to be at least one scene of him playing Chuck Finley, I think. I think so, too. Ooh, so, ooh, uh, p- pitch, pitch, pitch for later in the episode. Uh-huh. Like, could it be a thing where the reason that he's allowed to keep using the Chuck Finley alias is because they essentially establish, I think we've we've talked about this before, where Chuck Finley, they pretend is basically a double O. So uh-huh. it's like, James Bond is just the name that they give the 007 agent, but technically James Bond is not a single person. Yeah. And, like, that they establish, essentially, that, like, the reason that Chuck Finley is, like, this boogeyman of Miami is because Chuck Finley is all of us. And so it's, like, that scene in Spider-Man where it's, like, I'm Spider-Man, I'm Spider-Man, but it's Chuck Finley. (laughs) And that's how they manage to, like, get out of it, is that, like, if anyone could be Chuck Finley, there's no one to kill. Okay, maybe that's it. Maybe, like, oh, gosh. Because then that's also fun, and it gives yeah, Fiona fun. the ability to be, like, I'm Chuck Finley. No, no I think she should have a scene of Chuck Finley. I oh, think, like, 100%. No, no, I think, like, yeah. But I think you're right. Maybe that's, maybe, I do like giving Sam a win by successfully coaching a Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. But it also could be fun if, like, yeah, if that's the climax, where it's, like, mm-hmm. a Spartacus climax. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to keep both of those in our pocket right now and see what we end up writing towards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I do actually think, like, part of the reason that, like... So I think we should, like, break yeah. down from a high level... A high like, level, what yeah. each act is accomplishing. Exactly. That we can get bogged down in the details later. No, of course. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. I think 
Um, so what is what is act one? You're the one that knows screenplay structure better than me. Honestly, the way you explained a six act structure for yeah. television is better than anyone has ever been able to explain it to me and fundamentally changes the way that I approach writing television. That's so, so funny. as a person who knows things, okay, so what is the purpose of act one? Well, the thing is, okay, that is the one thing about television that is different from film. Right, but you, the, you like, have a functional no, understanding. No, of course. So, but I will say, like... What do we need to accomplish one, in Act 1? Act 1 here is a little bit Act 2. It's a little bit, like, because, like, we don't have to establish quite so much. Because a lot of Act 1 is, like, world before an inciting incident. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, in this case, yeah, I think... You're right. I think, like, Act 1 is going to be a lot of fact-finding. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, but, like, kind of, like... So, yeah, Act 1 is, like, trying to figure out... Like, how to approach the... how to approach this? Like trying to figure out which Chuck Finley it is and figure out the kinds of Chuck Finley. I think like so like we're this... talking about Chuck Finley like he's Loki, which I think is so funny. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think that's about like Act One is a little bit about figuring out them figuring out a theory of Chuck Finley. Act Two has to be about them putting it into practice. That like Act Two has to be a little bit more about sending Chuck Finley's into the world. <laughs> you know yeah i just i love the way that we're talking about this no of course like we send the chuck finley's out into the world and that might be is sam allowed to be a chuck finley at this phase Uh, yeah i think so i think like one of the yeah one of sam's can be a chuck no i think that is the thing because like i remember saying like i think he can be chuck finley at one point and he needs to stop and i think that is what the midpoint twist is that like sam's chuck finley gets taken off the board Mm -hmm. by act by the is midpoint at the end of Act Three or at the end of Act Two? At the end of Act Two, I think is what okay. we're, is what I'm saying right now. So Question: like, Is it funny if Sam's Chuck Finley gets taken off the board because, in fact, whoever they are dealing with knows that he's not Chuck Finley? Like he is outed for a totally different alias. Yeah, is that, that could, funny? Then no, that could work. I'm trying to think like because it's also gonna feel like an escalation, right? It's gonna feel like something going wrong. I wonder if. The reason that Sam's Chuck Finley gets taken off the board has to do with Anson. Oh, actually, you know, uh, no, it could be. But here's what I think, Okay. actually. I think Act 2 is going to, be, should be the one guy is to go on three dates act. Okay. Where it's just Sam doing all the Chuck Finleys. So the, and then the act, dates act, the, the speed dating is just Sam? Kind of. I think you can do, like, a couple... Here's what I think. I think, like... I I don't know, because I think, like, they need to be working a couple of things, because I think, like... Because I feel like it makes the most sense to me that Act 2 is Sam doing a bunch of chucks, and then Act 3 is other people doing chucks. Does that make sense? That's the harder thing. Like, so, like, things have to get harder, so it's easier... Like, it's hard for Sam to play multiple chucks, but it's harder for other people to play chucks. So, like, that feels like a greater escalation of difficulty does that make sense yes and i think also act two needs to establish anson b plot yeah complication whatever that is has to be introduced at some point in act two maybe it's the reason that sam gets taken off the board maybe not yeah but i yeah i do like that like act like the first phase of putting in action figuring out which chuck finley is being hunted can involve Sam. And I like that he has to get taken off so that the, the 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 second half of the episode is other people taking on the mantle of Chuck Finley. Exactly. And, and like, Sam being increasingly infuriated. Yeah, no, 100% that's what it is. So I think, like, in the second act, 
Like, I think in the first act, they narrow it down, like I said, to a couple of clusters. How many clusters? Three? Uh, I, I think, think enough that so that, like, all of our cast can do one. Like, so, yeah. So I think three. Like, three, yeah. So, like, they get, in Act 1, they kind of narrow it down to three clusters. And then in Act 2, like, we get sequences of Sam doing all of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we intercut them, like, or if they are, like, but we... He is making initial initial meets with people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, actually, I think what could happen, we could even do it like the thing you were saying, where they imply that, like, it's an, an alias. So, like, halfway through, they have to take Sam off the board. So each person now has to come in and say, that first Chuck Finley you met was an imposter, <laughs> you know? But we follow three bad guys. We follow three bad guy leads. So we set So we set those up. In Act 2. Yeah, we name them in Act 1. We, like, start investigating them in Act 2. And then in Act 3, like, those people have to go in. And I think, like, one of them... Well, no, because they have to be... Or even... Maybe there's even four. Like, because that way we can whittle some stuff down. I worry four is just that's too many things. I know. That's too many balls in the air, That's too many balls in the air. Because, like, I want to have... So maybe it's a thing of, like, Fee Chuck Finley is a little bit more of a Hail Mary towards the end. Mm -hmm. So that, like, the meat of the non-Sam Chucks is just Michael and Jesse. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. And Michael's, like, taking it way too seriously and Jesse is taking it way not too seriously. Exactly. No, I I think so. One of the things that has to happen in Act 2 is that they have to rule a Chuck out. Okay, so maybe there are four... That's why I was saying four, just so we could rule one out. Got it. Like, like I do think, like, part of the game has to be, like, winnowing. I mean, I guess it doesn't yeah. have to be four, because it can be three. We That's narrow what... one out, we're down to two, and then if we have established that Chuck Finley is Spartacus by the end of Act 2, then the end of Act 3 can be Fee Hail Marrying to take over for either Jesse or Michael. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, it's the Anson thing. I agree. Anson thing is the thing that takes Sam off the board. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Anson really quick. Okay, so at this point in the plot, Anson is basically chessboarding everyone to put him in the best position to fuck off for the rest of his life. Like, Anson is trying to get in position to retire rich. Is that what he's trying to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the end of season five, like, uh, the thing that happens in canonically the next episode to what we're saying is that... Fee and Jesse are sent to the Caribbean to transfer Anson's money into a new account because at the end of either episode 15 or 14, Michael has to, working with Lawrence Demille, flag Anson's accounts. And Uh so his accounts get frozen. And so Fee and Jesse have to go like unfuck his money so he can retire. Right. So that's something that's happening in the world. Right. So like maybe we just pick a thing that Anson also needs their help with. Yeah. Like this is not it, but like Anson needs new luggage. Like basically it's that. Functionally Anson needs new luggage. Anson needs new luggage. Yeah. And like So like what's an element of preparing to fake your own death and disappear forever that Sam could be forced to work on? Um it would be funny if it was also Chuck Finley related though. (laughs) Um I think that might be too much. But that might be too much? Yeah, no, I think, like... It also doesn't necessarily have to be that, like, Sam, whatever. Like, maybe Sam can fuck something up getting defensive. And so when they realize that Anson is going to complicate things, they're like, Sam, we got to pull you out of the Chuck Finley thing for a little bit. You have to go work on the Anson thing. But the thing is that we still want to have him involved coaching the Chuck Finleys, though. Ooh, 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 that's true. Maybe what it is is it's something to do with Sam's buddies where, like, whatever Anson needs relies on Sam's buddy network. And so Sam is basically pulled in two directions. Like he either stays the course as Chuck Finley or he has to protect his Sam Axe name. That's true. Yeah, that's, yeah. I 
And that gives us a lot of options because all of his buddies are like high up in the Navy, in the government. and That's true. And that actually actually makes it a really cool thing that it's about like them saying. Sam? Yeah, it's like, it's not about Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. It's about Sam Axe. Mm-hmm. And look, we talk a lot about how we had the rule about peak Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Chuck Finley is peak Bruce Campbell. Yeah. But eventually the character kind of stops being peak Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. I Literally last night, um, I was talking to like uh, Chris and Andrew about Evil Dead. And then I was like, oh, right. It's the same person. Even though it's like <laughs> obvious. Like, you know, I got, I've been so much in the world of Burn Notice for so long. that I was like, oh, right. His brand is this other thing. <laughs> so like, it could be that part of the point of the episode is establishing Sam Axe as like as big a deal as Chuck Finley, with Chuck Finley almost standing in for the Bruce Campbell thing, mm-hmm. you know? Which I think could be fun because I think you could also like really play up the like kind of Elvisy give me some sugar bits of Chuck <laughs> Finley that's like kind of core to the thing that like Bruce Campbell does in other instances. Yeah, I think know? Jesse should absolutely do some kind of Elvis voice. 100%. Like Jesse's version of Chuck Finley is Elvis. Yeah. Well, no, this is my thing though. Yes. But also, is Michael's version of Chuck Finley Elvis? Because I'd rather see Jeffrey Donovan do Elvis. I mean, yes. I guess it just comes down to, like, what in the characterization of each gang's version of Chuck Finley does it say about them? Right. But I also think, like, uh, I don't know, but it's also... I do think that the the benefit of this being Chuck Finley is that Chuck Finley is sort of always a little bit flamboyant. Yeah, no, I think that's the thing, right? Where, like, um, Michael has to learn to be a little bit more flamboyant. Like, Jesse doesn't need to learn to be flamboyant, mm-hmm. so he doesn't need to do Elvis. Yeah, but I just want to see Kobe. I want to give Kobe Bell some good comic moments. I know. We'll give Kobe Bell some good comic moments, but I think, like, that shouldn't be the game with, co- like, Kobe Bell. Okay. It's, like, him trying to do... I think Kobe Bell's... Chuck Finley is really different. I think that's part of Sam's problem. Maybe like, maybe Kobe Bell's version of Chuck Finley is Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's what it is. But you know, I think that could be Jesse's thing, is that like Jesse wants to do different stuff with it. Jesse wants to make Chuck Finley his own. <laughs> no, like, yeah, that's my thing. Jesse is like, because Jesse is already a guy. He sure is. Jesse's already a guy who likes to do flamboyant characters. So it would make no sense for him to, like, do another person's flamboyant character. Mm-hmm. He wants to invent his own version of Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Michael is super serious about it. He's and, like, And, like, really trying to, like, method act Bruce Campbell. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And this allows Fee and Sam to be in the, in the van together. Right. Do we want to involve Madeline in the case of the week? Um, I don't know. Like, we like doing that, mm-hmm. but I don't know We can where... also go back to classic Burn Notice, where Madeline's major role in the plot is to just, like, be present for client check-ins. Yeah, I think that's the thing where, like... Especially if the person has come to Madeline. Yeah, I think that is probably Madeline's. Okay. Yeah. And as long as we just make sure that those scenes are fun in their own right and are not just exposition dumps... Exactly. Then, you know, maybe she's not involved in the case of the week. Maybe we won't give them that, but at least she'll have a good time. Right. No, totally. I think so. Because, like, we're... Yes. Because we're trying to build a great episode of Burn Notice, right? So we've definitely... We're giving Sa- uh, Michael an alias, and we're letting Mike uh, Sam be peak Bruce Campbell. Uh-huh. So I think we're we're winning on that. Fiona should get to blow something up at some point, oh, though. Oh, Fiona will definitely get to blow something up. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I think Madeline's scenes need to be about how much she loves Sam. 
I love that. Yeah, like, no. And I think, like, I think, like, those scenes can be about, like, her and, like, her kind of talking about Sam with this guy, the client, with mm-hmm. Chuck Finley, with the actual Chuck Finley. I love that. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of the thing, right? Because, like, like I was saying, right, about how the difference between Chuck Finley and Sam acts, mm-hmm. I think she could actually carry a lot of that. And, like, this is also things that she can have scenes with, like, Bruce Campbell, too, where it's about how... Madeline doesn't like Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. Madeline loves Sam Axe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, if the episode is, like, about Chuck Finley, but it's also about Sam Axe, then that's the thing. Like, that's the kind of the core of it. Like, Sam loves being Chuck Finley, mm-hmm. but it's also, he doesn't need to be to be, like, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't have to be Chuck Finley. I don't love Chuck Finley. Like, my best friend is Sam Axe. We, like, we cook together. Like, you know? <laughs> Okay, so I think that the first client check-in with Madeline should be the very beginning of Act 3, because I think Act 2 is just going to be a lot of chaos, and I don't think we're going to have time. Right. I I think that the first check-in should be after Sam gets taken off the case. I mean, like, I think you do a quick check-in, just because, like, if there's going to be a lot of chaos, you need a down moment. Okay. No, I think there should be, like, one, and there should be, like, a check-in and act. Mm -hmm. Uh, An act, like, three-act structure-wise? No, four-act structure-wise. I think, like, I want to see maybe, like, one check-in, maybe one's... We could get away with not having one. I think if you don't have a check-in, it's either not in Act 3 or Act 4. Well, the problem is uh, if Act 4 is we're, we're finishing with real Chuck Finley is piloted by Sam, then, then it has to be an act... That has to be in every act. Because yeah. basically, Act 2 is too chaotic for a genuine emotional beat. Well, I don't think... I don't think, like, we have to do a genuine emotional beat in every act. I'm saying, like... We, we should at least be checking in with them once an act. Right, but what I'm yeah. saying is that the, 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 the meaty one has to be the midpoint, has to be Act 3. Yeah, no, I agree. Because there's too much going on in Act 2, and oh, Act yeah. 4, we need to wrap it up. No, of course, yeah, 100% Act 3, that's when you do them. Right, So, yeah. but you're, and so I guess we're just deciding, like, does do we need a, an Act 2 check-in, or can the scene with the client in Act 1, where they're, they're starting out their, like, which Chuck is it? I think you need to, like... Does he set, need to be in Act 2? I think... In Act 2, you need to set up the conversation that is going to be meaningful in Act 3. Okay. But although, I will say, if we are doing the thing where the client is being puppeted by Chuck, then you need to have a scene with the client, Sam, and Madeline. Mm-hmm. Where, like, they discuss Chuck Finley. And then Madeline goes into her thing about, like, Maybe that's Act 4, where they're, could like, be preparing real Chuck Finley to be fake Chuck Finley? Yeah, I think it could be that. So then maybe we don't need, like, a check-in in Act 3. If, okay. You know, like, the thing about the check-ins is part of the reason we have the check-ins is so that we're not constantly at the same level all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, so we have room to breathe. Like, they don't have to be very long. Just, like, a little something. Just for pacing reasons. Okay, so so what we have, so just to recap, cold open. Madeline is approached for help. We are led to believe that this person needs Michael's help because someone's trying to kill them. But uh, the, the, the button of this scene is they actually need Chuck Finley. Act one is our fact-finding mythos building, which is two primary sequences. The first is a client meeting at Carlito's where there's just a series of jokes bandied about about which Chuck Finley could it be with some kind of clue. And then a sequence where they're in the loft breaking it, Chuck Finley's mythos into clusters that to make the investigation more manageable. Act I'd like also... In one of, I think, really in the second one, in the loft one, is also when we are establishing our bad guys. 
we need to be establishing in that scene not just the Chuck Finley clusters, mm-hmm. but like the who's ba- the bad guy per cluster? Who's the bad guy per cluster? Like we need to like have that very clear in that moment. You can have it on the board. I love whiteboards. <laughs> I love like murder a, boards. I love mur- murder boards too. are great, but yeah. like even more than murder boards, I love whiteboards where like characters are brainstorming and you have a bunch of stuff on all because you could put so many jokes in there. Like I love shit like that. We should watch numbers. I mean, I'm not going to watch numbers. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so that's act one. is fact-finding, mythos-building, defining our sort of clusters. Act two is we put our Chuck Finley variants into practice with Sam. Sam plays all Chuck Finleys as they investigate the three structures. We get a speed dating scene with Sam. Uh, by the end of the His- act... Sam, uh, Chuck Finley will be Spartacus and Sam has to be taken off the case because of something Anson needs. I don't know if Chuck Finley needs to be Spartacus yet. Okay. I think he just has to be like, um... Well, he has to be because if he is establishing himself as Chuck Finley in each of these clusters and we narrow down to two... I think you could do it in a way... I don't think he has to be Spartacus. I don't... Okay. I don't think he has... When I say he doesn't have to be Spartacus he doesn't have to be James Bond, like... They can say that this guy is not Chuck Finley, but there can still be assumed to be a real Chuck Finley. I don't think it's, I don't think we could really get to the concept of like Chuck Finley is an idea until the fourth act. That's fair. Um, the problem is like, how do we take Sam? Oh, we can't. How, how, how do we replace Sam with the other characters? I if, think his, if be... he's the one out there being like, I'm Chuck Finley, do you have a problem with me? Yeah, I think like, because, like, can. It, it, how, how can Fee step in for him if he's not Spartacus? I mean, he can. I think, like, Fee might not. Like, Fee being Chuck Finley is, like, a late-in-the-game thing. And that's and fine. Like, but, like, how do, how do Michael and Jesse get to be Chuck Finley? I if... think at least one of them, like, they're saying that guy was lying. Okay. I think, I don't know about both of them, but I think, like, one of them is, like, like, at least one of them is, like, I am the real Chuck Finley. Like, that guy is my guy that I send out to pretend to be Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. Like, that is kind of, like, they kind of built that into, like, it's not so much that, like, there's no, like, that's a dread prior. Op- well, dread- so is it like a, is, is it like a, I don't want to use this phrase, but is it like a human centipede where Sam is Chuck Finley first and then we we get uh, Michael popping in and saying no sam's a liar and then we narrow down the cluster to get to the third cluster and then jesse hops in and is like no both of those guys were lying i'm the real chuck finley i think that could work yeah i think something like that it has to be that kind of thing also i was gonna say for act two Mm -hmm. i think we have we have our three clusters right Mm -hmm. i think the first sequence of that needs to be just one because i don't think i don't know if it's exactly speed dating I think, like, you need to have a sequence where he goes and he does Chuck Finley. And I think it's classic Chuck Finley. And they rule those people out. Mm-hmm. Then you need another sequence. And then they, like, where, you have the idea where they set up three meetings. Mm-hmm. And then they have to, one of the meetings has to get moved so you can do two dates at the same time. Okay. I think, like, you need to, like, have that so that you have one sequence of classic Chuck Finley, one sequence of him trying to do two different Chuck Finleys at roughly the same time. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Not 100%, but like, I think we'll get there. Like, yeah, so, like, because um, the thing about speed dating, that requires, like, 10 different bad guys, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas, like, Not you, necessarily. Well, not, like, 10, but I think, like, if you narrow, I think, like, you can have 
because you don't want it to be too montage mm-hmm. You want it to have, like, sequences. And so I think you have, like, one sequence that's, like, a classic Chuck Finley sequence. Where we actually like, get, like, a full scene of him just up. being Chuck. Exactly. And then you have a sequence that is... I think Michael should be his assistant in that sequence. Because then when Michael takes over the case, I think Michael should be his, like, his second-in-command for all of these. And then when they have to take Sam off the case, Michael then has to be like, I've actually been Chuck Finley the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> and then, no, the great thing about that is that, yeah, you can do the thing that you were saying, where, like, Chuck... Like, then Jesse does it, and then, like, um, like Jesse does it, and then that becomes part of the mythos. So, like, you can do the joke at the end of, like, no, there is no Chuck Finley. Don't you understand? It's, like, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> like, like that's the ultimate joke of it, is that it's turtles all the way down. Mm-hmm. But, like, so for the, cl- for the bad guy, the bad guy is experiencing this as this ridiculous thing where they keep being more and more. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the bad guy doesn't know what to do. Like, so part of the ending, this is, like, the ending with the client, the client can be saying that I'm the real Chuck Finley, or he can be saying... I'm not the real Chuck Finley. There is no real Chuck Finley. Like, mm-hmm. like that can be the thing. But what's also really good about doing, like you were saying, like, sequentially, mm-hmm. means that, like, each subsequent, per- like, Jesse is not just, or Michael, however you want, order you want to do it, mm-hmm. is not just reacting to Sam, but is also reacting to the previous iteration mm-hmm. that the other person did. Yep. And having to escalate it. <laughs> having to escalate it, or, like, go, like, well, you did it wrong. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so it's not just, like, like there there's a debate amongst the two of them about how to do it it's not just a debate not just a debate with sam but a debate between michael and jesse okay so here's here's what we're doing all of act two is chuck finley as sam acts as chuck finley with michael as his number two Uh with fee and like jesse kind of playing backup here's my question do we want Michael to be his number two, or do we want Jesse to be his number two? Who do you? What order do you want to do fake Chuck Finley's? I think we need to do Michael's second, okay. just because like he would inherently be like the person they put in, unless unless Michael is are is like drawn out by like, is about Chuck. to be that, and then yeah. has to swap in for Jesse at the last minute. Michael has to peep out for ants and shit, and then he needs to swap out with Sam, and then Michael comes back and is Jesse's number two. Yeah. And then he becomes, so so it goes, Sam, almost Michael, but then Jesse. Then Jesse takes over and Michael is his second fiddle. And then Michael quick, like basically joke scene with Fee being yeah. the Sam Axe. And then we, we end with the actual Chuck Finley. Exactly. No, Chuck Finley. no, I like that. Okay. So act two is Sam as Chuck with Jesse playing second fiddle um, while Michael deals with the Anson B plot. And at the end of the Anson B plot, though, it becomes clear that he needs actual Sam Axe mm-hmm. for Anson's B plot and they have to swap out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. So then at that point... Because yeah, that, that does solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that we that you said that at the end of act... At some point in act two, we need to establish the Madeline conversation in act four with the client. So we have a client meeting at some point in all of this. Act three, no client meetings because it's just shenanigans. Exactly. Where Sam is running game for Anson and occasionally having to call in with his understudies, which is as I I put it. I need to like look at Bernetta's scripts more. I don't know if we don't, when we were doing clients, if there was not not a client meeting every act. I, I don't know if it's every act, but it's usually three. It's three. If it's three. It's like we have yeah. the initial interview, the first check-in where they're yeah. a little panicked, the second check-in where they're extremely panicked, and then the resolution. That's true. 
Oh, well, that's, that's usually. Well, then that's four because there's the original. Well, the resolution. Yeah, I guess. I, I think we can eliminate the first escalation I just so, because yeah. there's so much going on. I Not think totally. as long as we check in with them before the final act, I think we only need the three. I think, I think we it, need introduction. Also, yeah. we, we introduce also, them in the cold open. Then we introduce yeah. them to the gang in the second. No, I think you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not in three. Yeah, because I, I think four. three is just the babushka, not babushka doll. What is it called? Matryoshka doll. Yeah, the act three is the Matryoshka doll of, of Chuck Finley's. <laughs> I don't know why we're not allowed to make bird dolls. <laughs> we're clearly so good at it. We're clearly so good at it. We, we understand the soul of this show. But yeah, so like you do that. And then act four, we have our final cluster determined and therefore our bad guy. So we know who's trying to kill him. And the bad guy also needs because this is like the end of act three is kind of in film terms, Dark Knight of the Soul. Mm -hmm. So things need to go really bad at the end of act three. I think it should be that, like, their Hail Mary with Fee goes poorly because it turns out that the villain does know what real Chuck Finley looks like. Yeah, no, it, like, definitely, like, yeah, like, that is the thing. Like, Fee should have to, Fee should almost die, um, but should get out of the situation with an explosion. So her version of Sam Axe is, like, a pyrotechnic crazy person. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, Like, that was my thing. Her version of Sam, uh, her version of Chuck Finley is just Fiona in her most, like, uncut, undistilled version. 100%. Like, Like, it's, it's, uh, IDA. She's the only person who is being herself. Fee is IRA Fee Chuck Finley. Yeah. No, no, that's like fun, and then that goes bad, and yet the bad guy is somehow found like the face and perhaps the lo- like mm-hmm. of the real Chuck Finley, and is yeah. going to kill. Is sending people to kill that guy. Yeah. So they yeah. know that they whatever they do to draw him out, they need actual Chuck Finley. And like this time. they know, like they know him. They know like where his family is. They mm-hmm. know like everything. Yeah. About the actual guy. So we're down to the wire. And then, yeah. And then, so the final act is... Is as they're preparing Sam, uh, as they're preparing real Chuck, they ha- Sam has a conversation with Madeline before everyone else gets there. Well, like, I think it can even be... No, I think the way it works is that, like, the client has been with Madeline this whole time. Mm-hmm. So, like, Madeline is there for, like, Sam coaching the client. Mm-hmm. They have a scene. And, like, Madeline but it's might... it's just the three of them, right? It's just the three of them. Yes. Madeline is there. They have a scene. Um, maybe Madeline has some, like, input. I think that... But I think, like, and then the client leaves, and then Madeline and Sam have a moment alone. Like, after... So the first half of their, like, big moment mm-hmm. is the three of them together is the client. So you have, like, you have a scene that is one half... The first half is client being coached. Mm-hmm. And the second half is Madeline talking to Sam about how she doesn't like Chuck Finley, she likes Sam Axe. And like, I'm not, she's like, I'm not, I haven't been telling him Chuck Finley stories, I've been telling him Sam Axe stories about like you being a good Boy Scout, about mm-hmm. how you caring about people, that's the person that I love. Like, yeah. Okay, so I think that the reason, I think the reason that we can give those three a moment's rest is because while they're doing the final prep, I think Fee, Jesse, and Michael should have to finish the Anson plot. 
we have to finish the Anson plot in Act 4 and just wrap that up. Uh-huh. I think it can be a relatively small thing, which allows us to, like, not spend too much time on it. Right. But then, like, they come in having finished the Anson plot, and that's when we propel us to the rest of it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. So how, how do you feel about that as being, like, what leaves Madeline and Sam alone long enough to have their conversation is that the other three finalize the Anson plot and then come back and meet them at Madeline's house for, like, final preparations. And this is all, like... Because, uh, like, it could be the thing of, like, the guy finds out about real Chuck Finley while the Anson plot is coming, like, while they have to leave for the Anson plot. So is that is that part of the end of Act 3, is that they have to deal with the, the Anson's plot? Is all I, I think it's that Sam finishes what he absolutely needs to help with Anson. Okay. So that like they can swap back. Where it's like Sam has 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 acquired the buddy help the network the buddy network help that he needed to. Yeah, got it. That makes and sense. then can hand it back to the other three because they realize they need to prepare real Chuck Finley. So right. they basically like trade off. They do a high five as they swap plots again. Yeah. Sam's back in the A plot. The rest of the three finalize B plot, come back to meet him do a big Chuck Finley showdown where like, I think Sam should step out of the darkness. Like, like real Chuck Finley, quote unquote, is like having standing there, like meeting with the bad guy. Uh The bad guy's doing this whole monologue. And it's like, I should have known a man like you, Chuck Finley, blah, blah, blah. And then Sam walks out of the darkness and says, you're wrong. You know why it doesn't make sense how much of a boogeyman like whatever is. It's because He's not Chuck Finley. I'm Chuck Finley. And then Michael steps out of the darkness. No, I'm Chuck Finley. And like yeah. they all step out and it's like, you fool. Right. You charlatan. Chuck but Finley isn't a man. No, no, Like. He's an idea. He's uh, a lifestyle. Okay. Or. I just like the idea of Bruce Campbell getting to step out of the darkness. No, and say, I, like, can I say I super <laughs> like that? I super like that. I'm not sold to the I- I- exact uh I really, thing. but here's the thing. What I want now is like, I want a moment where like, cause the thing is, if the emotional moment, if the big, if the moment between Madeline and Sam is about Madeline liking Sam Axe, then like, I feel like almost, I want like Sam to be like, like, yeah, like, like you can say I'm Chuck Finley, they all say they're Chuck Finley, but like Sam has the big moment. And it's just like, Chuck Finley is just the thing. Like I like, Kind of, yeah. Oh, we. Have I want to like him. I want him to like, in this scene, like. I want his speech in this scene to like be a consequence of the Madeline conversation. Okay, I like that. Something yeah. else that I just added to Act One is that I think at some point, because this is the most underdeveloped act that we have, I yeah, do think course. that at some point we there needs to be a somebody needs to put it out there that this probably marks the end of Chuck Finley. And then whatever happens in Act 4 needs to establish that, no, this doesn't have to be the end of Chuck Finley, but it is the end of Sam relying on Chuck Finley when all that anyone really needs from him is Sam Axe. Yeah, no, I agree. So so I think that, like, maybe the Dark Knight of the Soul is, like, he really does have to give up Chuck Finley. Yeah. And then his conversation with Madeline helps him realize that it's okay if it's the end of Chuck Finley, but... Also, you know, your sort of white knuckled grip on him is unnecessary. Yeah, because that's the thing. You're not only Chuck Finley. You're not. They're all Chuck Finley. Mm -hmm. Because they are all Chuck Finley. They've all been Chuck Finley. Like, Chuck Finley is this thing. Chuck Finley is almost the project that they're doing, you know? The helping people, you know? 
And, and it could also be a thing where uh. it's not revealed to the audience that Chuck Finley is Spartacus until Sam announces it. Right. And, and that can be the plan. Like, we can basically do a leverage thing. Oh, we definitely like, could. It seems like we're all buying into like, oh, no, this is a final Chuck Finley showdown. And then twist actually right. they figured out a way to maintain it and no, i think that that was the thing when i was like saying whether or not we're killing him is like if we don't kill him this is the thing we have to do yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i agree but the thing is if they do this right because again i love the idea that this bad guy is starting to go like crazy <laughs> you know oh i like that too no no i think like the thing about this big spartacus moment is this has to break him because like the thing is each time there's a new Chuck Finley, he has to get more and more frustrated. So that by the end, they're like all like, I'm Chuck Finley. Like, it's got to be one of those burn notice endings where like the bad guy goes a little crazy. Yeah, where yeah. they basically gaslight the bad guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, the, this has to be about gaslighting the bad guy. And then what's the button? The button is like maybe another Madeline Sam scene. Or maybe I think it should be all of them. Like no, I, think... I think, I know, I think, well, the button's a couple scenes. Like button, the button, I think on... Burn notice is usually a couple scenes. And then it's That's like kind true. of Dynamont, like We should go back to Carlitos for at least one of them. No, one of them will be a Carlitos. Like maybe Sam and Madeline. It starts with a, it's basically like two scenes in one. Uh-huh. Where we start either with Sam and the gang and then Madeline joins them, or vice versa, where it's like Madeline and Sam have a little like final, you know, I, moment and then the rest of the gang shows up and they're like, Oh mom, I didn't know you were gonna be here. Exactly. And then they have a little fun discussion about Chuck Finley mm-hmm. as a thing, and they kind of talk about each other's Chuck Finleys mm-hmm. um, and like and maybe like discuss which one was best and everyone has different opinions about who did the best Chuck Finley and then like this is burn notice so the actual final scene is teasing next week or is yeah Anson. so I, I was thinking like Anson, Anson calls Michael at the end and so like he has yeah. to leave this joyful scene of all of his friends like reminiscing about Chuck exactly <laughs> and yeah. like has to go take a phone call yeah that's the button that's I those three scenes is the client there maybe Sometimes the may- client leaves i think we can like mention in a line of dialogue or two like i'm gonna miss chuck and, yeah and they're like he lived up to the name yeah like, that's that's a thing that's in there like there has to be a line about him living up to the name chuck finley <laughs> which is funny because it's his own name <laughs> no here's the thing actually oh i remember i had this thought because you can have the, i think you could have the scene where like the client has to and i don't know maybe when this happens maybe this fucks with the because I do think it can have a moment where, like, at some point, someone actually does put together that Chuck Finley looks like Sam Axe right before he does the step out. It could be a thing of, like, the client gets his moment where he sells it. Mm-hmm. But then, like, one of the bad guy's buddies gets a picture of Sam Axe as, like, this is Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. And then that's the final thing where it's like, fuck, we had a plan. It was working, but they got a face. And then Sam saves it by coming out and doing the Spartacus. Okay. I think that's like the final bit. Instead of it being the plan, I think it could be like, that's a final, like, their plan is having the client be Chuck Finley. And then they get a picture of actual Chuck Finley. So he comes out of the shadows and says that he's Chuck Finley. And then you do the Spartacus and like, and that way, like, does that make sense? That's a lot of business, but I don't hate it. I think like... This is also one of those things. We always like when they're put in a position of having to improvise. Exactly. I also think that this is like one of those things where like, when you actually sit down and write pages, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, a lot of this takes up less space than I thought it was going to take up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's fair. And this is also one of those things about writing is that we'll break all of this. And if we were writing pages, Mm -hmm. like this would all get rewritten anyway. Totally. Yeah. Like this is, this is the idea. We have the, we have the tent poles, but like where the tent poles, the actual design of the tent might differ. Yeah, of course. By the time it's built. Exactly. But yeah, 
So let's short, like you were saying, let's shore up who the bad guys are. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't what... think that, and just to be clear to everyone, I don't think the bad guys need to be somebody we've heard before, but they should occupy the crime cluster that Sam Axe aliases are a part of. Exactly. Because, like, sometime in the mythos building sequences, we should basically, like, once they decide the clusters, they figure out who the big dog is in all of them. And it's like, this is the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. If it's from the, I don't think the trucker cluster should necessarily be one, although it could be. But, like, if the trucker cluster, they determine, they're like, okay, who has a stake here who, like, based on Sam's old aliases, would be pissed off enough. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. So let's look at the list. Okay. And if anyone wants to see this list, I'm not going to send you my list, but hey, go to the Bird Notice Wiki of character aliases, which is extremely well done because I helped make it for like the last four seasons. So character aliases on the Bird Notice Wiki is the best place to go for all of this. Okay. So I'm just going to read these out. And Uh as you hear like duplicates, maybe let me know. I've only called out the law enforcement duplicates. Okay. First establishment of Chuck Finley is actually in our least favorite episode. Not the least favorite, but like it's episode three with a terrible teen. Oh, of course. He plays the attorney for the mom. He is the mom's attorney uh-huh. uh, in that one. Next, so that he's, so Chuck is an attorney. Next time we see him is Charles, who is a representative of a stolen merchandise dealer. Then we've got Chuck, who is a civilian with a restaurant reservation. I think that just might be like an like a, yeah, of an offhanded Chuck. Then we've got Chuck as a club patron who hits on a waitress as like, because this is a waitress being stalked. Uh-huh. So he's just like a club patron. Then we've got Charles, a trust fund executor to Michael's investor alias i think like in general i will say right now like lawyer charles i think like they're two of the main chucks that we see are guy who works for a scary guy mm-hmm. or detectives yeah like henchmen yeah like henchmen. like rich guys henchmen rich guys henchmen but he's usually not like a henchman he's usually like the number two guy he's like the dragon mm-hmm. he's like you know he's always like the right hand man of like a really big guy because it's usually michael yeah yeah okay so then for, of those so we've got i would say the first one of those would be trust fund executor charles yeah. even the stolen merchandise dealer's representative that's true yeah like that's like where he's like the guy who's like the number two for a bad guy okay we've got he's a we've got chuck the new york mafia family torturer slash hitman I think that could be the third one. I think it like could be... Like, mafia guy? Ma- like, mafia muscle, Chuck Finley? Like, but also Hitman, because I saw another... There's another Hitman here. That's twelve. True. Hitman's one that can kind of transcend. But it's also, like, Hitman slash torture, because also he loves torture. He does love torture. So, like, there's, like, a Hitman torture Finley. Would it be funny if one of the clusters is the the guy with the Finley method? Do you remember the Finley method? I 100% remember the Finley method. But I just, like, I'm trying to figure out why someone would be trying to get that guy. And, like, that'll be the one, like, because, again, the one that's, like, the most ridiculous is the one that get, gets ruled out first. Right. So, and also like, they can be, like, something else that works about this is that Obviously, everyone has their favorite Chuck Finley moment, and they don't all necessarily deserve to be investigated, but they can be bandied about as, oh. like, banter. Oh, 100%. Like, so, every single, like, every kind of Chuck Finley will be bandied about as banter. Sure. And then, like, they'll land on three. They'll do what we are doing right now in the episode. Yeah, for sure. Like, okay, so we've got we've got law enforcement. How many law enforcement are there? Four. We've got two Detective Finleys, once as a cricket detective and once just as a detective. 
Uh-huh. Then one time he's a deputy Finley. He's from the Miami-Dade Sheriff's Department. And then another time he's a Dade County private investigator. Uh-huh. So like that one is not 100% law enforcement, but it's still kind of law enforcement. And there, yeah. we can definitely spin a story that like maybe they assume. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's also possible that if you really wanted to, you could um, get a couple of the lawyers in there. Well, he's actually not a lawyer that often. Oh, I thought it's a couple of lawyers. Uh, well, like we like trust fund executor, I assume is a lawyer. And then associate, he's a lawyer. Because he's an environmental attorney, you want? Yeah, but that's like that's a specific. Do you remember that episode? No, I remember that episode. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's more specific. Okay, so yeah, I think yeah. Then so there's the detective cluster. There's the hitman torturer cluster. Yeah, interrogator. I think would would count as that too. Oh, one hundred percent. As part of hitman cluster. Yeah, and then there's the guy who's the second in command for a big guy, like the the butler for a big guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also Fee's husband twice. <laughs> So oh, here's the quote. Then, so that makes sense that those are the three clusters. So who would want to get those guys? So it kind of could be anyone is yeah. the sort of lovely thing. Because, yeah. like, anyone could have heard of Detective Finley as either being a good guy who was let go or a shady guy who quit or was let go. Right. There's a lot of stuff we can do with that. But I think, like, Detective Finley, like... For Detective Finley, you would think it would be a guy who got sent to prison mm-hmm. who wants to get him because he came out. Yeah. That makes but sense normally Detective Finley is not the arresting officer. Normally Detective Finley is there as like like feeding them false information. And I guess that's still true. Like maybe, because yeah. maybe, I don't exactly remember the specifics and I don't think it matters. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Like just the idea of being like, and it's also like. Like, you gave me bad information. You gave me bad information, but also just, like... Or you um, gave my boss bad information. Because I think this has to be the thing so that we're not too tied up with continuity. It's like, you gave my boss bad information and our entire organization was taken down. Exactly. The great thing is that, like, it can also... They can all technically be, like, all of these bad guys can just... Are not necessarily guys that we have seen before, but, like, are so clearly, like, think... But are things that he has done off screen that fit in with our ideas of these kinds of Chuck Finleys. Does that make sense? Like, yes, I just don't have the brain space to think about that right now as I'm well, writing this down. But I, I hear what you're saying. You're yeah. talking about theme and identity. Well, well, not theme and I just in the sense of like, so you're not married to like any one plot. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah I think the, the beauty of the way that Burn Notice is structured and the way that Chuck Finley comes into these things is that a lot of times, even though we have a specific bad guy we're dealing with, they frequently end up taking out an entire organization exactly. as a result of their actions. So anyone within that could theoretically be our yeah. bad guy like and he can just be a member of a mafia family for exactly one. And, and then it, he just says like i know that chuck finley is the reason you know the person three hierarchies up from me got fired and we all got fucked but it's also i don't just because we watched all of the show like i don't think all of the times that he is chuck finley on the show are 100 percent of the times that he has called himself chuck finley that's also true like he has called himself chuck finley off screen so some of like these particular things could be off-screen adventures, but, like, ones that feel consistent with the different silos. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. Okay. Yeah. So, for our hitman torture cluster, who's the bad guy? See, this one's interesting because it's got to be... I think it's got to be someone... It can't be someone who got tortured by Chuck Finley because they know what he looks like. Yeah. But it could be someone who maybe died... 
Or, like... It could be someone who died? Well, no. No. Like, someone who died and then a family member, a friend, is avenging. I see. You know? I think that it should be someone, like, within the mafia. Who Do, do we want to decide right now which one of the clusters is the final cluster? Um, yeah, I think... Because we'll it should it. be something thematically reminiscent of, like deciding who is Sam Axe, where does the line, where's but the line in the It's sand? also the one that's, like, the best bad guy. I think it's also just, like, which one is the one where you can get the most mileage out of the bad guy? So do we want to talk about organized crime? Do we want to talk about uh, capitalism and, like, captains of industry? Or do we want to talk about law enforcement? Uh, which is the most compelling world to stay in the entire episode? I don't know. I think, like, I don't know. I think it depends on... Let's see. So is that what we're doing then? So, like, law enforcement... Because the thing is, like, secondhand, like, yeah, so, like, right-hand guys, that's, like, bad businessmen. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah, so Titman torture, that's mafia. Yeah, mafia and, and, and law, drug dealers. I mean, maybe, like, maybe we got to... But, also mafia and drug dealers. That's true. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe Hitman torturer should be a drug dealers, because we got we to gotta throw one to Barrios. We got to throw Barrios a bone. Exactly. So... He, uh, we have to see drug dealers in this during this episode. Exactly. So that's law enforcement. The drug dealer? Yeah, I think. So the drug dealer who is after Detective Finley is mad because he was in one of the various organizations that they took down yeah. and, like, you know, took the fall maybe for a, for the people who actually got swindled by Chuck Finley. Right. Remembers hearing about Chuck Finley, thinks he's, you know, some, some big, bad, like, former law enforcement guy who, like, was undercover and uh-huh. now he's, like, hunting him down for revenge. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense to me. This is why we work. Because you're really good. I'm really good at the step that I did. And you're really good at the step that you did. Like, <laughs> Where you say big things and I try to put specifics on it. Yeah. I'm not as good at specifics. That's always my problem. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we work well together. Exactly. Okay. So let's move up the chain to bad business boys. So it should be somebody in the, maybe it was somebody in one of the many organizations that they like put a fake investment to and like stole all their money. Like maybe it's somebody who was like trying to, somebody was trying to rise the ranks of this organization and was thwarted because the whole organization went down. Yeah, exactly. So like, so he's mad because... Because the organization he had like been, you know, he'd started as in the mailroom. He started as an intern and he was working his way up in this like... So this is a frustrated man. Yeah. As opposed to like the other guy, the drug dealer guy who's a revenge man. Yeah. So like, the... I mean, they're both technically revenge, but like this one is more about frustration of like... And I don't think the thwarted professional climber, that doesn't have to be this, the, yeah. what we call him. But like, I think that for him, he shouldn't have gone to jail. He should have just had to start over in a new company. And he's exactly. like, I wasted my life because you took down the company I was trying to climb in right. too fast. Exactly. I just think it's more interesting that like no. the bad guys aren't all like from jail coming back to No, no, exactly. You're correct. They shouldn't all be that. That makes sense. And then like the hitman torturer, like family? a specific person died. I don't know if it's family because I think, well, it's family if it's mafia. It's like. Well, family like, of the person who died, I thought. Is it, no, yeah. Family of the person who died. Yes. Are you thinking somebody who died because of one of the many times that Sam puts people in a position where they shoot each other? 100%. I was thinking. Like, I mean, that's... How will somebody outside of that know that it was Chuck, though? Because, well, like, sort like... of the benefit of when he sets them up to kill each other is that they leave no witnesses. I mean, I'm trying to figure out... Well, I guess one of them could have mentioned it to the girlfriend who wasn't there, and the I girlfriend so. whispered to the mother, and they, they learned about Chuck Finley through that. I think, yeah, something like that. I think, like... Like, the last person who saw him alive was some guy named Chuck. Because there's a thing that's and happening... there was no one who was dead at the scene who was Chuck. Because there's a thing that's happening here where, like... Yeah, like, these... So, like, for the law, the drug dealer, he went to jail 
drug dealer, he's mad because he went to jail. Yes. The other guy is mad because he didn't get to do, like, his job Mm -hmm. that he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, Which means that, yeah, like, this one has to be, like, someone was taken away from him. Mm -hmm. And that means that he is probably our end bad guy. The hitman torturer. Yeah. I I don't think it should be a bad guy. I think it should be a woman. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, bad woman. Yeah. Who, like, took up the mantle of, you know, the broken organization and now has one rule, like, one thing that she wants to do. Find and kill Chuck Finley. Yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly what it is. A lady boss. A lady boss. And so I think that the reason that they narrow it down to these three people is because once they make the, like, decision, these are the clusters, they look for, okay... And we don't have to see all of this in person, but basically the implication is like someone in these three clusters is making a big stink right now. Someone is very powerful and theoretically could be connected in at least two ways to Chuck Finley. Exactly. And like we know they, you know, they're making moves, just people making moves in each of these clusters. And then like they do some off camera investigation and are like, these are the three. Exactly. No, that makes sense of like people who could... Like, people with... Exactly. Who should get eliminated first? I think drug dealer, because neither of us want to deal with drug dealers. I agree. I think, yes. So that's the first... That is the pure Chuck Finley scene. So, like, yeah. He'll go and meet with this person. And then, like... Or that organization. Or that organization. Or, like, yeah, whatever. The details of who they meet with is not really necessary. Exactly. Because we're not going to go that deep. Exactly. And then we find out that, like, it is not him. So then, and this is all. This is Act Two stuff. This is like, this is like essentially after all the research after Act One. Like this is kind of how we're opening Act Two. Yeah, Act Two opens with like drug dealer, classic shit. We we like this scene writes itself basically. Right, of course. And then we eliminate it at the end of that. Um, Act Three is when the the rest of the gang gets a chance to put on the Chuck Finley shoes. Exactly. And but the thing is, we're going to see all three of these people, all three of these organizations in yeah. Act, Act 2. Yeah. At least um, briefly. At least briefly. Because, again, I think I really like the idea of, like, Sam having to do two Chuck, Chuck Finleys at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, we get rid of the drug dealer one right away. And the second half of Act 2 is dealing with both of these other yeah. organizations. Yeah, dealing with like the grieving sister, aunt, mother, doesn't yeah. matter. And cuz I don't think it should be a girlfriend. I don't think that's interesting. No, yeah, I think I it should be a family, like a literal family member. Yeah, exactly. Cuz we have too much like female love interest is Brother's um, good. Yeah, so like sister. Yeah. I like sister cuz that also has more like family implications. Like most mafia families, it's like it's the men in the family who are exactly. the mafia kind of a thing or like you know in primogeniture only male heirs can um right can take over for their dad can t- claim titles and there's fun stuff you can do with there's that. always i'm not saying that this is what it is mm-hmm. but sometimes you come into this character type that i like a lot which is like woman who is like who is in charge who is like really in charge of things is like bossing everyone around but is also very traditional it is kind of mad that there is not a man in charge. I'm not saying that we do this. I'm just, this is a character type that I think is interesting. There's like a sort of interesting, like inherent dichotomy to like these kinds of like very traditional women who are like having to like step into a man's role because no one's doing it. But they're very mad that a man is not doing it. Because they're like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, but all you men are too weak to do this thing. And I yeah. have to do it. 
I'm not saying that that's what this is, but that was just a thought I had. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any opinion. Yeah. Uh, so that means that at the end of Act Three, after the the clown car of of Chuck Finley's is rolled out, uh, Fee eliminates the professional climber bad guy by escaping in a fiery blaze. Yes. So, which I think is fun because this is like the least crime, like the least blue collar criminal of all three of them uh-huh. is this like, you know, thwarted businessman. And yet they get like the biggest explode, like the most violent, like escape scene. Right. Although, although, because this is the other thing where it's like, how many Chuck Finleys should the woman see. Well, it doesn't need to be that they meet with the person every single time. Like the the first, like act two can just be them meeting with like people lower in like, or friends with the person. Cause I like to the... narrow down, like just if they even have motive to kill Chuck Finley. Because like, like I was saying, we're like, in order for like the like ultimate bad guy to go kind of crazy, I think like we do need to have like this person like experience all of the Chuck Finleys in order for it to like maybe play. what we can do is as like a framing device like we see like at the end of interactions you know to cap off a scene like somebody from afar that we don't see takes photos and then at the very end like in act four the like the ultimate evil woman like shows all these photos and she's like these are all the people who've been asking questions about Chuck Finley in the last week I could see that no I could see that because what I'm also saying is I think actually what I think actually should happen is that like in the in the sequence where he's playing two Chuck Finleys we should eliminate one of them as well I think by the time we get into act three we have one bad guy because I don't want to, like, spend too long. Well, then why would all of them get to play Chuck Finley? That's what I'm saying is that, like, you have to keep doing the joke where it's like, that's the thing where it's like, no, that person was not Chuck Finley. That's what I'm saying is that that's So maybe it's like they, the they, act- keep, they keep, like, fucking up or, like, something yeah. keeps going wrong and so they have to, like, scratch that. And then when wanna... a new ch- person shows up and they're like, well, who are you now? And it's like, I... oh, the last person was an imposter. Because, like, I'm, I don't want to have a situation where, like, we have a bad guy who we have not spent a lot of time with. Going into the ending. Okay. So, like, I think it's a situation where actually, by the end, because it's also the thing of, like, if we'd have, like, I mean, we could. That's just a lot of stuff to put on Act 2. I think this is a thing. I think it's going to take less time than you think it's going to take. Because we also need to establish the Anson B plot and the fact that Sam needs to get involved. We also need to also have want... a client meeting. Because you don't want to have scenes in which nothing changes. Like, I mean, they can they can move forward in the investigation where it's like there is a valid possibility that both of these people are the I bad see guy. That. I don't know. And this might be a thing where it's like, it's clearer to tell once we're writing scenes. If we were writing scenes. Well, I think it would be clearer to tell once we have broken it down scene to scene. Like, that's what, if we make an actual outline. Exactly, yeah. Which we're uh, not doing. Which we're not doing. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I think like, I don't know exactly when we eliminate the, the second one. It might be an act two. It might be an act three. I'm just like, Always, I'm afraid of spinning our wheels in Act 2. That's fair. But I, like, I think that I as long as we're keeping things moving of, like, they're learning new things and having to, ad- like, adapt what the mythos of, San- of of Chuck Finley is to, like, stay frosty. Yeah. But I also kind of think where it's, like, one of the things that's good about Burn Notice bad guys is, like, we spend a lot of time with them and we get, like, this kind of sense, like, they get built up. A good Burn Notice bad guy gets built up over the course of the episode. So if we spend a lot of time on a different, too much time 
on different bad guys. I see what you're saying. I think yeah. that's interesting because then it allows the gaslighting of the final bad guy to be the primary modus operandi of Act 3. That's so what I'm like, saying. Yeah, that was kind of what I was okay, saying. Okay. I was like, the idea of like Act 2 is eliminating suspects until we get the person who we know that it is. And then Act 3 becomes the gaslighting where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's actually not this person. It's actually this person. Actually, no, it's not this person. It's actually this person. Mm-hmm. So like, Part of the reason that, like, like the villain is motivated becomes motivated to figure out who the real person is. And that's how they find the client. I also think that what should happen is that at the end of Act 2, we have, we have eliminated two bad guys and narrowed it down to one. But also we have established that no one knows what Chuck Finley actually looks like, which is what allows Michael to pitch to Sam, like, get out of here, go do the Anson thing, we'll take care of this. So um, Michael takes over... I think is who we have as the yeah. next. So yeah, Michael, order, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, Michael takes over and does a thing and it goes wrong. And yeah. so I don't think that the gaslighting should be it. I think that at first Michael just tries to take on Chuck Finley. No, no, I think the and then it goes poorly and then the gaslighting becomes the pivot when Michael's gambit work doesn't work. Yes, exactly. Yes, I think that's kind of what I was imagining. Where okay. like the gaslighting doesn't is never a plan. It just kind of happens. Because, like, they have to, like, keep... They have to keep pretending a new person is Chuck Finley. And that drives the bad guy insane. That's not what they're trying to do. Because, like, that that way they're on their toes the whole time. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to have too much of a plan. Mm -hmm. Like, because then it's, like, we're not... There's not suspense. Yeah. So you want to have as many scenes as possible of them just having to improvise and be like, fuck, I guess you're Chuck Finley now. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the thing. And so, like, that's part of the game of Act 3 is... Fuck, I guess you're Chuck Finley now. Mm-hmm. And then like the bad guy going insane. Yeah. And then that we that still brings us to like the fee Hail Mary where they realize that real Chuck's there's a photo of real Chuck, so it definitely can't be Fee. And so she has to like make a quick exit, make a hot exit where she yeah. literally blows something up to escape. And they're like, Fee, where why do you have a bomb? And she's like, Oh, my Chuck Finley is, is a pyromaniac. Exactly. No, totally. <laughs> like, yeah, I think like she writes it off as like, no, that's my version. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, that's what's good about that is that each act is a different game. Yeah. Like, I think, like, you don't want to be playing the same game in, in more than one act. Yeah, I like that. Um, it keeps it fresh. It keeps us yeah. having new things to play with. Like, yeah, you don't want any idea to wear out, out its welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes it, like, really, you feel like there's a progression. Sure. So Act 4, uh, I think, I'll, like, the first half of Act 4 is the interplay of the gang minus Sam finishing up the Anson plot while Madeline has the first phase of the conversation with Sam, real Chuck, and her. Yeah. Then at the end of the like intercut sequence, as we know the gang is coming home, Madeline has her final like real conversation with Sam. Yes. Everyone gets there. And then the second half of act four is actually enacting real Chuck plan. Exactly. Where then everyone comes out. Yeah. Sam makes his big statement and you know, all is well. Exactly. Yeah. And then the Dinamo has those three scenes that we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's ba- where all of them take place at Carlitos, but it's just like over the course of a drink session. So yes. the first one is Madeline and Sam having mojitos. Second one is everyone joking about their version of Chuck Finley and how fun it is that Sam gets to continue being Chuck. And maybe he's even like, you know, I think I'm going to take some of Fee's stuff for my for my next one. Yeah. Like, I think that was fun. And then yes, the final sequence like is Michael walking away to take a call from Anson to set up what happens in the actual next episode. Yeah. 100%. That's fun. Yeah, I no, like that's... this episode. I want to yeah. write this episode. Right? 
Oh, we might have to write this we episode. We might have to write this episode. No promises, everyone. If we do... We'll would we do? Would, yeah. Would we? Would we just put the script online? Would we do a table read? I don't know. Um, because like a table read episode would not be hard. I guess we. You know what? We I, could. You know what I think we should do is if we do a table. If we actually write this, and there is no guarantee. I want won't. it on record. There's no guarantee we're gonna write this, but if we write it, uh huh, we should just do a live stream. We could do a live stream. Yeah, totally. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, do you feel good about that? Do you want to figure out the Anson plot or do you want to just... Yes, I think we should figure out the for the final two bits of this episode, I think we should come up with a handful of like at least themes for spy tips, like moments where we would like a spy uh-huh. tip. And then, because in the ideal world, we would we would be asking Michael Wilson right, exactly. for advice and doing our own research or coming up with some bullshit of our own. Right, of course. Uh, so we should do that, and then we should also figure out the Anson plot. So let's do Anson first, because that's not as fun. Yeah, exactly. So, Anson. So we've already established that it has to in some way involve Sam's buddy network. Yeah. Because Sam has to be involved. And yeah. there are there are only three, four main beats of the Anson plot. So beat one is he introduces it to Michael. Beat two, Michael realizes they need Sam. Beat three, Sam gets involved. Beat four, Michael, Fee, and Jesse finish it without Sam. So yeah, so those are the four beats of the Anson plot. First, he introduces it to Michael probably in a phone call or yeah. some kind of weird meeting where he just shows up somewhere. Yeah, and that's act one. These yeah. are all like one in act, yeah. Yeah, beat two, Michael real- Michael does something but realizes he needs Sam's network. Beat three, Sam does his portion of it, you know, invokes, like puts up the Sam buddy signal. And then beat four is Michael Fee and Jesse finish it off without Sam. The one thing about it being Sam's buddies, which is good, but it's also like, what buddies does Sam have that Anson doesn't have? I mean, Anson doesn't necessarily have a lot of buddies. Like, he's he works, he's a CIA psychologist. Like, he doesn't necessarily have friends at different organizations. But it seems like he kind of does. It seems like he has like, these people that he, I don't know. Um, it seems like mostly Anson, like, the thing about Anson is that he's very hands-off. Like, his whole point is that he he has other people, make like, his connection is always, like, two to three degrees removed, which is why he was able to hide himself for so long. Okay, so I don't. So it's not that Sam needs Anson's buddies, I don't think. It's that Sam needs something, or, Anson. or I mean, it's Anson. It's not that Anson needs Sam's buddies. It's that Anson needs Michael to do a thing, and Sam needs Sam. And Michael needs Sam bu- and buddies Michael, to accomplish the Yes. Thing. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah, Too yeah, many yeah. Names. And, and that's what I meant. Okay, cool. I, yeah. I was picturing a thing in which Anson was like, you know people. No, no, no. I don't think Anson gives a shit who okay, accomplishes cool. it. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. I got it. All right, so what does Anson need? I guess, Luggage. no, let's start with the buddies. Which which buddies can Sam use? And then we can, like, work backwards to come up with a thing that Anson needs. Um, Well, it's all, like, it's always, like, fucking Navy SEALs. It's Navy SEALs, but he he knows a lot of people. He like, knows a lot of people. He has is FBI, it, it's FBI maybe, guys. Maybe he knows something, maybe he has something to do with his pension. Where it's, like, like the Social Security office or, like, the Veteran Affairs. Anson's pension or Well, so ma- maybe maybe Anson has, like, he needs help like with an identity that he stole a while ago and he needs to reroute, you know, checks like social security checks. Cause the thing is that it can't be too tied to Sam's buddies because it has to be something that fee Michael and Jesse can solve. Yeah. 
I think it's just that like Sam's buddies just need to get him certain information exactly. or access and then he can hand it off again. Exactly. But it's like to make the approach to get the access, they need Sam. Exactly. So yeah, what's that thing? That- so we know Anson needs a new identity. We know he needs money, which will be dealt with next episode. Like the rest of the season is Anson getting his money and preparing his escape. Yeah. At this point, Anson has a secret hideout that they found out and had a a person on the inside that then he killed when they found out. Here's the other thing about, okay, here's the other thing, right? Is that like Anson? Oh, Anson's, remember Anson's identity has been wiped. Earlier in the season, Anson had Michael hire a hacker. Right, exactly. That makes sense. Okay. So maybe it's that he needs a new identity? Maybe it's the idea, maybe the point of it is that like Anson knows a bunch of people that are bad, but he needs someone that's good. To do what? That's what I'm trying to figure out. But like, well, some, something else that I could think of is that like maybe like, maybe all of Sam's buddies are like good guys. All of Sam's buddies are people who would not fall in with Anson. Yes, and so maybe like, maybe because that's also thematically relevant. Because it's like because I think it's it might be that part of the thing about this beat is all the this plot is that he, it's pointedly not Chuck Finley stuff. Yeah, and, so, and I, that's how I always imagine it. Yeah, like, exactly. Th- that's why I think we invoked the buddy network. Because exactly, the buddy yeah. network is the most Sam Axe part of Sam. Exactly. So like That and his moral compass. Right, exactly. So, well, maybe it is something with the Navy SEALs. Maybe it's like yeah. Anson wants to hijack an old Navy SEAL like identity for to some end. Right, exactly. Or like a Navy, yeah, Navy SEAL identity. Or he just needs like, like... Or he just needs like a boat. Or like, you know... That's true. Yeah, maybe it's like he needs the, he needs like a certain kind of boat to like fly under the radar, but have enough power and speed it's to like, like get mil- off. It's a military boat. For what does Anson need a military boat for? For speed and weapons, like you were saying, like for like his escape. Yeah, for his escape, or it's like um, or for a job or something. But like, it's a thing where it's like you need. Or maybe it's not a boat, but maybe he just needs like coast guards to look the other way if us these kinds of boats go by unannounced. Okay, but then are we gonna see the boats go by? Because what are they? What are Michael, Fee, and Jesse doing in the third act? I don't know. Or fourth act. That's what I'm saying. Is that's what I'm saying. They need a boat so like Michael can like so Sam can approach the person and like arrange for a boat to. You know, but then Jesse, Fee, and Sam need to go get the boat. Like there needs to be like a physical thing that they need to go get, so they go away. That like Sam does not need to be there for. Mm-hmm. So like that's what I was saying. Like it's like a boat or something. It's some sort of thing that they can go take care of. That Sam doesn't need to be there for, but Sam arranges. Yeah. So maybe Sam arranges like certain like he gets I like security clearance for Michael, Fee, and Jesse. Yeah. And so like basically Michael hits a wall in Act Two where he can't get the access he needs to steal the thing. They need Sam's buddy network. Yeah, that's what it is. I think it's that. I don't know okay. what the thing they're stealing. Honestly, the thing that they're stealing is more about the season arc than like anything that we're writing. Right. I mean, we'd have to figure it out if we were writing the actual episode. We don't have to figure it now on a mic. I like the idea that it's a boat because it's also, it's Navy. It's gotta be like mm-hmm. a Navy thing. Navy or Coast Guard. And he like, knows people in both. And like, that means that like you can have a boat hijacking that opens like um, the fourth act. Yeah. So fun. as a boat is being hijacked, Sam is teaching real yeah. Chuck Finley how to be fake Chuck Finley. Exactly. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So beat one, Anson needs something stolen for him. 
parentheses, a boat, question mark. Act two, Michael realizes they need Sam when he hits a wall that they can't actually get into position to steal the boat until Sam's buddy gets them clearance. Act three, Sam gets them clearance against his better judgment. Uh, and beat four, they steal the thing. Yeah. Cool. That's all I need. Okay. Yeah. Final final thing that I wanted to at least talk about is spy tips. So where are moments where we think we could insert spy tips? I was thinking there needs to be something about like, it's. In, I think maybe one of the spy tips can be like a passive aggressive thing from Michael where as they're doing the whiteboard scene, he's like, this is why it's important to always change your aliases because otherwise the map gets messy. Uh, yeah, it could be. I also don't even know like, because good spy tips are so process heavy, are so process specific, that it almost feels like a thing that you have to write when you're doing pages. No, for sure. And, and I don't know. But uh, like, yeah, like, um, but I like the idea. I don't think we get a lot of passive aggressive spy tips. And now that we know who the spy tips are for, spy, spoiler alert, it's him telling Nate's son, like the story of his life. I really like that this is the episode where he's like a little passive aggressive. No, I do he's like like, that. you uh, shouldn't do this. Right. Like, I think that basically it, it makes sense. And I think Michael has done this in the past where Michael is like on record being like, I hate Chuck Finley. Chuck Finley puts us all in danger. Right. It is he is a security risk. Right. And so this is his opportunity to be passive aggressive. This is more of like no, a narration I like that. tip. No, I agree. Um, that's good. I like that. I mean, obviously, if we're stealing a boat, there's a tip about stealing a boat. Because that's the other thing of like the Michael plot, the B plot probably has more opportunities. And then I think there's also just like opportunities for like con men tips. Yeah, con men tips are good. So yeah, definitely con men tips. Um, like tips about like how to how to like how to sell an identity really quickly. Selling like imposter stories. Exactly. Um, something about that. Like once the lie gets too layered, you have to be really careful to know all the details. Exactly. Something, something. Yeah. Like something this like also that. may be a thing where we just like write down a series of like buckets for what kinds of spy tips maybe we could research. Exactly. And then we would s fit them in as necessary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think like. So um, like this is basically spy tip brainstorming where not like, we don't necessarily use all of them. Right. Of course. But so these like, are things that are related to like the themes of the episode and like benchmarks that we right. want to get to. So like something with Fee's explosion. Yeah. Something with Fee's explosion. Like actually would be about showboating because like act two is sam showboating a little mm -hmm. so like it's got to be stuff related to that so it'd probably be like one of those tips where it's like about confidence you know mm -hmm. one of those kinds of tips mm -hmm. and then the act three tips are all about like yeah like changing identities on the fly and like keeping track of things and and also like let's see here because like act we can three... definitely have an act four one about like prepping a non-spy yeah um yeah you definitely want to have that um so I'm also thinking about what's the bad guy doing? Because, like, the bad guy is also making moves. So we had to, like, figure out what moves bad guy is making. Especially in Act 3 when, like, we've settled on the main bad guy. Mm -hmm. Like, rage makes people sloppy. Yeah. Rage makes people sloppy. Or, like, like you know, rage makes people sloppy. Um, like, just tips about... Cause, if like, just tips about the mafia. If they're, like... If it's, like, the mob, like... Tips mm -hmm. about mob organization. And, like, you know... How to, like, fit in with the mob. And, like... Yeah, like what what are mobsters looking for? Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. There can also be like maybe a genre of tip about like making people want to kill you. 
but like later. Yeah, of course. Like making yourself killable, but just not killable enough that they don't want you. Like you want them to be careful about killing you. Yeah. Like the tricky balance of like you need them to want to kill you, but you need to ensure that wherever you're setting these chess pieces is a place where they can't do it right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Oh my gosh. The act of making people want to kill you at a later date. <laughs> Yeah. Like, making an, making your death an IOU. <laughs> exactly. Like, making yourself essential and not killable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I could see that. This is the part of the episode that I care about less than you do. <laughs> I mean, it, it felt weird to do an, a breaking our own episode of Burn Notice no, without no. at least acknowledging Oh, no. 100%. Tips. Yeah. So to really quickly, I guess, to, to wrap all this up, and I'll, I'll release like an outline. I'll, I'll clean up what we've done today for everyone uh-huh. so that you can kind of read along at home because I'm sure the way that we've presented this is probably very confusing. Oh, of course. So I'll, I'll release that. But as like a recap, if we put our own episode idea through the burn notice formula, our, I guess the spy t- practical spy tips, that'll just be a thing that we pay attention to exactly. when we're writing them. We'll make sure that they're practical. Yeah. I think it also benefits us to like make up our own things, which would be like, what would be helpful to us? Like, what's something that two idiots like us exactly. understand about the world that might be helpful to impart on other people? Exactly. The wisdom that we have gained. Exactly. We will recycle old burn notice stuff to make a new burn notice stuff. Exactly. So that's part one, five practical spry tips. Uh, number two, a um, are we solving the weekly case with spycraft over violence? Again, we haven't actually put a lot of violence in here. We know there's gonna he's gonna blow something up at some point. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some sort of thing at like the act two, like at the end of act, like at act the, three. Act three, there's definitely gonna be some stuff. I think like, but like the explosions are rarely about violence. They're usually yeah. about like fireworks. True. You know, they're like they're they're a big pretty colors display so that we can escape. But, like, definitely all the stuff that we've come up with is all conning, so it's all spycraft. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, no, it's, totally. It's sorting through the messy business of being a spy. And... I'm slightly worried there's not enough violence. So we'll see, like... <laughs> well, maybe, we'll see. maybe the way that, like, we resolve stuff in Act 2 where we're eliminating clusters, they, yeah. can, they can be eliminated through violence. The thing is, like, you have to escape that thing. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, you've dug yourself in, then you need to get out. How do you get out? Mm-hmm. Like, you probably need to do some sort of violence. You know what I mean? Like, it would probably be fun for Act 2 at some point for Sam to essentially get somebody killed. But, like, it's, like, an early Act 1, like, Act 2 beat and not, like, the way that the episode ends. Right. And he's just like, all right, moving on. Right, exactly. Or just, like, casually, he casually takes out the trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so that's that's that. So I think there's spycraft over violence. Oh, no, definitely. There's, there's a lot of spycraft. Uh, does Michael get to be an alias? For sure. Yeah. Gets Michael to, gets to be Chuck Finley. Gets to be Chuck Finley. And it's going to be a distinct alias, not only because it's Chuck Finley, but because we know that we have, like, an idea in our head for how each of these Chuck Finleys oh. will be. So this means that, like, everyone's doing Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. Everyone's specifically, this is the Hitman Torturer Cluster. So everyone's going to be a little bit more unhinged Chuck Finley, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good shit. Exactly. I want to write this specifically for Act 3. No, Act 3 is going to be the most fun. It's going to be so fun. Okay, so that's so that's that. Michael has an alias. And then the final thing are at least two characters use well. So Sam definitely gets to be Peak Bruce Campbell. This is a Sam episode. Uh-huh. Does um, Fee get to blow something up? One hundo. We will make her blow something up. He will get to blow something up. God damn it. Yeah. Does Jesse get to be a distinct addition? I think he gets to put his own Jesse flair on exactly. the alias. Yeah, like... Certainly he'll have at least 
one or two moments where he's like talking to Sam and being all Jesse about it. Totally, 100%. I think we basically just like for our version of Jesse, we just give Kobe Bell a lot of comedy beats. Right. Which is the thing Jesse and Kobe Bell does best. And then finally, does Madeline get to be a part of the case of the week or have an emotional moment with another character? I think the emotional moment is what we're building to. That's what we're building to. Like, uh, Madeline and Sam are the emotional core of this episode. Yeah. All right. We've theoretically done it. We've created not only our very first episode of Burn Notice together, but we've created a great episode of Burn Notice. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we sign off one last time and go gently into that good night? Think it's going to be a great episode of television? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) That's the right way to think about it. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I think like... This was fun. This was so much fun. I love doing this. What else is there to say? Burn Notice. I mean, this, since this is our last episode of this podcast, I think it's worth saying one more time that, like, thank you, everyone, for thank helping us get here. Thank you so much. We would have definitely stopped doing this podcast at some point if people were not listening. Like, if we did not see an actual, like, response to this. Then, yeah, we would have stopped. I right? imagine that, like, at some point, probably in 2020, we gave this up when it was just, like, too much to deal with. Yeah. Like, a, um, a couple episodes we said goodbye to Burn Notice, but now we're definitely saying goodbye to you. Yeah. Yeah. Love you guys so much. We really do love you guys. Not just those of you who sent us money, although somebody did recently send us more money that I need to Venmo you. <laughs> I think it was the same woman as before. But, like, genuinely thank you from the bottom of our cold, cold hearts. We really appreciate all of the love that you guys have sent our way. The number of you who tell us that, like, you started your weeks with us has been genuinely so heartwarming. Like... It has been such an unexpected experience and joy to do this podcast that started as a joke. Mm-hmm. It has, the fact that it culminates in me doing my favorite thing with Chris, which is writing yeah, and coming up with bullshit that makes us both excited to make content. cool things. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to say content. Fuck here, content. Here comes some content. Yeah, just... This, this Puts show, a big smile on my face. Yeah, this show did not need to be what it was. You know, it, it, it very easily could have become like a rote, soulless recap podcast. Right, which I hate. That made us hate each other and uh-huh. the show. And there were moments there. Not, I don't, I don't think we ever, we, we were far enough along in our personal journeys that I don't think at any point in the burn noticed canon did you and I become estranged? No. I think I think at the point at which we started doing this podcast, we had figured out what our working relationship was. 100%. But there were definitely periods where like us having to do the work of this podcast and watch this show, there were times where it was more of a chore than others. Yes. But I'm glad we persevered. It has become so unexpectedly special to me. The community that we have cultivated 100% by accident has been so lovely. I consider this one of the best things that I've ever done with my creative professional career. And despite the fact that it has alienated me from anyone who could have theoretically helped me in my journey of being a television writer, I don't regret it. I don't regret it either. So... Because now we're on record breaking a good episode of television. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at the very least, it will be good. And it will be a great episode of Burn Notice. Yeah. I hope you agree. And if you don't, that's not that's your opinion but it's wrong because as you know we do not accept criticism because yeah. we are above it exactly if if it's wrong it's too late there's no more time for criticism to be leveraged yep 
Leveraged. Yeah. Or they, I mean, that's the right word for that concept. Anyway, but there's no more time. We're done. We're done. We have to be done with this. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, check our Twitter after this episode goes live at Burnettist Pod. We will post, I'll post like a Google Doc or something uh-huh. uh, of what, what the final version of this episode breaking looked like uh-huh. so that you all can enjoy and see and share it with Matt Nix, who will undoubtedly change his opinion of us and immediately hire both of us for whatever new bullshit he's making. Just kidding, Matt Nix. Thank you for making Burn Notice. Genuinely, thank you, thank you Daddy, for thank making you, Daddy. Burn Notice. Thank you to... Thank you, Matt Nix. Everyone who made the show yeah. as special as it was. And I mean special uh, as a compliment and as a derogatory statement, of course. Oh, boy. And, and thank you one last time to Vince and E.L. for composing theme music that they didn't want to compose and yet has become iconic to the very silly thing we've done for three fucking years of our life. The really hard job of making that music into something. Uh, and if you want to hear their true talent as a musician, as they would prefer to be understood and remembered, check out vinceniel.bandcamp.com. Go listen to Burn Notice Notice again. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the only thing left to do for you all is to re-listen to every podcast that we've ever put out, including all of the companion podcast to our podcast, Burn Notice Notice. And just go listen to their Doctor Who podcasts. They're great. They're funnier than us. Yeah. Go 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 support our friends. <laughs> go rewatch Burn Notice. Go gently into that good night. Send us money, maybe, if you want. I'm just throwing that in there because why not? Why not? The last time I have the ability, I, this is the last time I will have this size of audience for the foreseeable future that I can scam for money. So, hey. Yeah. I'm Brie Castellini on Venmo. Hit me up. Goodbye. Bye. Ending on a classy note. <laughs> <laughs>